Well, hello there. You have stumbled upon the quarter to three games podcast. My name is Tom Chick. And I'm Jason McMaster. Oh, and Chris. Very good. You just that's perfectly, Chris. I didn't even tell you to do that. Uh, say that name one more time again, Chris, just because we love hearing it. Uh, Hornbostel. <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, so, uh, of course, many folks don't know you as Chris Hornbostel. They know you as... Trigger Cut on yes. the Quarter to Three forums. And thank you for hanging out with us today. We have asked you here today because we understand that you are the guy to talk to if we have any questions about medical billing software. Yeah. That and patient record software, uh, but only a specific kind and how it networks with other patient record software. Software. It's it's exciting stuff. Okay, how on earth does a guy like you who uh, end I, up in a place like this? Well, <laughs> we know how you ended up in a place like this. You're doing us a favor, and it's very kind of you, because uh, I think of you as a guy who a knows a lot about cool music, and b can feed me for free if I go to Washington D.C. Yeah, not so much on that anymore. The music, you're, not, you're not wiggling out of the music thing. I'm going to call you out on that in a second. But apparently, okay. yeah, you can't feed me for free anymore, but you can get me in good with some new restaurants that are opening soon, I presume. Is that right? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So but tell us about that, and then I want to uh, quiz you on this medical software business because okay. I'm having trouble entering my patient records. Uh, sure. Well, that's understandable. It's a very complex thing, and I know way more about it than I ever wanted to know. Uh, as far as restaurants go, I no longer am managing exclusively at one restaurant uh, since about June. I've been sort of doing a freelance thing, freelance writing, which also kind of morphed into uh, restaurant consulting. And so uh, two people, two separate individual entities who are opening gastropubs in the Northern Virginia area have contracted with me to do some work for them to help them get their restaurants, gastropubs open. Okay, what is a common mistake someone who wants to open one of those things will make? Uh, the most common is they don't have enough money. <laughs> that is, that really is. That's one of the biggest reasons. I mean, because restaurants don't make a lot of money at first. No, you do not. <laughs> no. <laughs> the the big the biggest thing that I try to the the biggest thing that I tried to get over to them when I sat down with each person was. They have to learn how to do what I call top-line managing for the first year that they're open. And what that means is not so much worrying about the bottom line, but worrying about just bringing people in, getting butts in the booths, and mm -hmm. getting people paying money to come in there. And then after that, you figure out how to make the bottom line work to fit where your revenues are. Okay, Chris, give me three tips for getting butts in booths. Uh, you have to have a good happy hour where you basically take a loss on the ah, food. Mm -hmm. You have to just do that kind of promotion, set up uh, some sort of a frequent diner program where you're also basically giving away the house to get people in to eat your food mm -hmm. and hopefully bringing other people in with them. Mm -hmm. uh, just th those are the two biggies, actually, that kind of social networking aspect along with frequent dining programs. And I'm going to add a third one there. Uh, get Jason McMaster to endorse your restaurant. 
That it yeah, helps. That helps. Sure. That does help you. By the way, when I play Gears of War 3, uh, it tracks the number of gastropubs that I've killed. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so now you also know a lot about uh, music. You are sort of infamous for having your finger on the pulse. Uh, is it just indie music, or can you also tell me, keep me abreast of what's going on in Top 40, Chris? You know, I try to keep up with Top 40 because I hate being the indie snob. I think I got that out of my system 10 years ago, 12 years ago. <laughs> but having said that, probably not so much. Can you tell me a guilty pleasure that you've had recently where, like, it's maybe bad, popular music that, that an indie snob might turn his nose up at, but that you approve of and enjoy? Uh, you know what? When stuff like Beyonce comes on, I'm down. I dig it. I, I, think, I think she's incredibly talented. You know, Lady Gaga, sure, I'm a fan. I, I get it. I dig it. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. How do you feel about there being a new, I think it's like a month old, a new album from Bush? Uh, yeah. <laughs> should, that, should I put that in my guilty pleasure category? You know what? It, <laughs> what is going with Gavin Rossdale? <laughs> I know. It's dreamy. Go ahead. And, you can go ahead and be an indie snob here, Chris. No one will judge you. I was an indie snob the first time around on Bush, so I would have to hear something exemplary from them to come down off that mountain, I guess. Oh, But here's one I do have for you that might sound like a guilty pleasure, but it isn't. Okay. The new Bangles record is awesome. Really? Really? Bangles oh. record, aren't they all, aren't they all dead? <laughs> <laughs> they look remarkably uh, well-preserved for being in their 50s and being soccer moms. Wow, that you know what? That's kind of hot. I think there's. I had yeah. no idea there was a new Bangles record. There is a new Bangles record, and it's awesome. McMaster, did you know this? No, no. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Okay. Well, if I if I've learned one important thing today, it's that there's a new Bangles record, and uh, that that's good to know. All right. I might I might put that in the the playlist uh, with my my new Bush tracks. There you go. <laughs> but they. they just be warned, they might kick Bush's ass. I'm just saying. Mm, Christina Hoff is kind of almost as pretty as Gavin Rossdale. Did I even oh, get that right? Susanna. Susanna Hoff. Who's Christina Hoff? <laughs> I don't know. Some other Hoff. <laughs> That's a different wrong. Hoff. Yeah, I got the wrong Hoff. All right. Well, you know what? I've also asked you here today, uh, Chris, to pit you in a game of wits against oh, Jason oh, no. Lee McMaster. Ah, yes. Now, this is partly, I was going to use this as my news of the week when we get into our format, but I'm going to bust this out of the format and just make it its own thing. Uh, my right. news of the week was going to be that the full set list has been announced for Country Dance 2 for the Nintendo Dude, Wii. I saw that nice. email earlier. I saw Country that email. Dance. Country Dance 2, sweet. Yes, I'm sweet. completely confused. Well, now, Jason Lee McMaster, you are from Alabama. So I think you yeah. are genetically predisposed to know about country music. I am from... I probably uh, know... Uh, I know old country music. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to test that out right now, Jason Lee McMaster. And, uh, Chris, because you do know music... it's gonna I'm be, from Missouri. Uh, that's, that's, those are Yankees. That's, we have the Ozark uh, Mountains to keep you guys north. 
Well, right, yeah, I mean, like, thank God, but I mean, I, I don't know if I would go as far as calling them complete Yankees, though. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they weren't really involved. Jason Lee McMaster, you're a disgrace to Alabama if you don't call people from Missouri Yankees. We had Clint Eastwood on our team in uh, Outlaw Josie Wales. Come on. That is okay. That's <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's settle this issue with this game of wits. So here's the okay. deal. The full status has been announced. Jason Lee McMaster, you might have an unfair advantage, A, because you're from Alabama, and B, because you did see the press release. No looking at it right now. I, won't, ah, okay. I think I deleted it. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to give each of you in turn the names of three country songs and the performers. You have to pick out the fake one. Okay. All right. All right. We've done a coin toss, and uh, – Chris, you go first. Ready? Here we go. Yeah, go hit me. I'm going to give you the name of the song and then the performer. I'm going to give you three of them. You have to tell me which one is not real. Okay. T- Take a Back Road by Rodney Atkins, Jack Rabbit Heartache by Dirks Corbin, and Dirt Rich by Chris Hears. One of those is not a real country song that appears on Country Dance 2 on the Nintendo Wii on November 1st. Which one is it? So Dirt Rich, Take a Back Road, or Jackrabbit Heartache? I almost hope that it's Jackrabbit Heartache, so that's going to be my answer. And if it's if that actually is a real song, that's just sad. Okay. Chris, you have one point. <laughs> there is no such song as Jackrabbit Heartache on Country Dance 2. Well played. Excellent. All right, McMaster, here's your chance to tie it up. All right. Getting Married by Joanna Smith. Mm-hmm. Good Time Bone by Harvey McLean. <laughs> or, or Another Beer Without You by Eric Brownlee. I'm going to go with Eric Brownlee. What the heck? Why would you pick that? That's a perfectly viable title that I made up to sound like a fake song. Because it's Brownlee, and I know where you got that name. Isn't that Dr. Crypt? Well, yes. you know what? Okay, so here's... <laughs> That's not where I got it. Here's what I did for the names: is I took I, I took the first and last name of someone from the song list that, that uh-huh. find them. So there is some country singer named Brownlee. Uh, that's so. All right, so this I just is got really lucky. <laughs> did. So this is very exciting. The score is now tied. Chris, you have one point. Jason Lee McMaster, you have one point. So here we go for the final round, Chris. If you lose this. Uh, I don't know what we do in a tie. I guess you guys have to arm wrestle. That's cool. Wow. Okay. The, All right. The excitement is palpable. I still have your boots by Katie Bryant, Honeybee by Blake Shelton, or A Bunch of Girls by Frankie Ballard. Ooh, give me those again. I still have your boots by Katie Bryant, Honeybee by Blake Shelton, or A Bunch of Girls by Frankie Ballard, and that's Buncha spelled B-U-N-C-H-A. I'm going to go with the first one. Is it I Still Have Your Boots? Yep. That's your pick. That's my pick. Now, why would you pick that? Does that not sound – why doesn't that sound like a perfectly viable country? I feel like I failed because each time you guys <laughs> picked the fake country song that I invented and tried to make it seem like a perfectly viable country name, why would you pick that? It just – it sounded too good to be real. It's just that that's the caricature I picture of country music.
Well, I'm not just going to be writing these up as actual country songs then. If they if they stand out too much, if I can't blend in, then forget <laughs> writing country music. Uh, which leads me to another thing I want to ask you about, Chris. How on earth are you qualified to write technical manuals for medical software? Where does that come from? I'm actually probably not necessarily uh, all that qualified from the medical side or even the computer tech side, but I do have an English degree, so I've got that going for me. Can you get me and McMaster work doing that as well? (laughs) Pretty sweet. This this happens to be part of having uh, family members who are uh, surgeons, so that that was actually a referral and uh, a much appreciated one. All right, Jason Lee McMaster, I guess you and me are going to just have to keep writing about video games. Let me tell you, I wouldn't wish the two months that I spent editing and writing that stuff on my worst enemy. So uh, Uh, other uh, other than the invoice, uh, getting that paycheck back, (laughs) I I wouldn't recommend that. I imagine, yeah, writing writing the invoice must have been the funnest part of that gig. It was, and that was about... That that was about the only part that approached fun. Now, I'm always tempted to like get into game guides, like trying to write game guides, but that just sounds like such a chore too. To be it honest. really does. We have a, oh a fellow who I, I hope is going to join us on the podcast in the next month or so, who's been doing a lot of that, uh, and I, I want to hear about that because that is that does sound like a grind. It sounds like right up there with like doing QA, beta testing stuff. Yeah, I knew a guy named Thomas Wild that did it. Sure, yeah, Thomas. Yep. You remember him? Yeah, he used to write for uh, Brady Games, I think. Um, but yeah, man. <laughs> uh, adult. In the good old days, you could do uh, strategy articles for websites and stuff, and in some print <laughs> magazines. Uh, and that was just enough to, like, it wasn't a review, and it wasn't in depth enough to be, like, a whole bound book, you know, a strategy guide thing. Uh, right. I don't. Does anyone still do those? Uh, I've done one or two. Um, I know I used to do videos. Like I was paid to do videos for. Uh, everyone's doing. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I was. Oh God. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it and everything, man. Like, but then all of a sudden it was like everywhere, and then you know. <laughs> wait, wait, way to kill the art of writing, McMaster. Exactly. I, hey, I had some awesome videos. I'm really sad that I'm no longer making some. Like uh, uh, Thrill Seeker, that was a good time. Which one was Thrill Seeker? That was the Crispy Gamer one, where I would take. Uh, I had one for Battlefield 1943, where oh, I had. Yeah. A, you, you remember that? Um, I, I remember. I remember seeing them and actually uh, watched. I I don't know if it was the Battlefield 43 one. There was also I had one for Saints Row and stuff like that, but that um. Was- yeah, yeah, they were just like it was me doing crazy stuff or like getting catching crazy stuff. And I, I remember the 1943 one was my favorite because it was a I was playing and I like jump off this building to assault these guys and I knew I was gonna die. And then like all of a sudden I was alive and everybody else was dead. And like I watched the footage again afterwards, and a uh, Japanese plane crashed into a tank that was coming up the hill, and it shot the tank up the hill, and like the tank landed on all the bad guys that were trying to kill me, <laughs> and it like and I survived. <laughs> Uh, McMaster, I'm going to put you in for a silver star for that. I th- I think I deserve. It. <laughs> if you can call in an airstrike from an enemy plane, that's always you know, that's, yeah, that's, pre- that's pretty sweet. <laughs> 
so uh, let's let's then talk video games. Forget this medical journal stuff. Uh, yeah. I, McMaster and I want no part of it. Uh, Chris, do you, still, do you still have time in your career as a freelancer to play video games? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. Because one did of the you? things... Oh, go ahead, McMaster. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, did you ever play Shadowbane? I never did. Oh, okay. Sorry. I knew someone else named Triggercut then from Shadowbank. Weird. All right. There, there, maybe he's just not willing to admit it, McMaster. Oh, that's possible, yeah. too. It was Shadowbank. a possibility, but in this case, it is. <laughs> uh, well, well, Chris, we're going to ask you to pick a game of the week, a news story of the week, and a post of the week. Are you equipped to do that? Are you enough of a gamer where you can you can step up to the plate for each of those three things? As I told you before, Tom, I actually thought I was supposed to pick three movies of the week. So, what, what would I'm, those have been if you had picked three movies? I'm going to put you on the spot here. What <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. What would you have picked? This is going to sound like I'm a just an absolute inveterate fanboy, but I actually saw Lake Mungo for the first time because of your recommendation. Actually, the quarter to three thread on Lake Mungo. Now, so Chris, I saw that for the first right. time. Okay, uh, hold that thought a second, Chris, because I'm a little bit worried. I, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you a big wuss about this Fatal Frame game? You and I both talked about how it really took us out, and we were big babies. If guys like us can't even play Fatal Frame, how could you power through Lake Mungo? Lake, Lake Mungo hit exactly the right kind of creepy marks that actually kind of Fatal Frame kind of does when it's building yep. uh, some of its stuff. So I loved it. Okay, good. So uh, that would be one of your movies of the week. What would your other two be? Uh, well, I finally saw, uh, what was that uh, goofy movie, uh, Bridesmaids? Ah, yes, a little Kristen Wiig action. Everybody loves uh, it. I missed, I missed that hilarious. in theaters, so mm-hmm. I... Uh, Caught that, and I just started because of your other recommendation. I just started Grave Encounters. Ah, wow! You're uh, okay. Uh, I'm not going to say anything, but uh, be ready to hide your eyes. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, when you guys watch horror movies, do you like sometimes like not watch because you're afraid yes. something's going to jump out? Yeah. Okay, McMaster. No. Yes. Yeah, come on, McMaster, fess up. No, honestly, I don't. I'm actually I'm a big horror fan, so uh, I. I'm all about it, and I want to see what happens. I'm not a sissy like, uh, I don't know, my sister, who, who actually, whenever we would watch horror movies when we were kids, she would hide behind the couch and, like, peek over it. That's pretty funny. Now, well, I don't, I don't need to hide behind the couch, but I sometimes do need to put my hand on my temple and then conveniently duck my eyes behind my fingers. It looks casual enough where... Somebody seeing me might think, oh, he's just resting his head on his hand, but it's really calculated to where I cannot see what's going on in the screen unless I move my head at a certain angle to look between my fingers. But I don't need to hide behind a couch. I'm not that much of a sissy. Now, Tom, no. are you th- let, let me let me give you my technique and let me know if this is enough of a sissy for you. <laughs> ah, good. Yes, I'm always up for new techniques. So what would it? Okay, what I have a one and a half speed. Setting on fast forward on uh, both my on both Netflix and on uh, my my Blu-ray player. Yep. So when I can tell a bad part or just like I'm going to be scared out of my pants, I actually will go to the one and a half speed, which catches all the dialogue and everything, but it kind of speeds through it. And then after I know what's going to happen, then I'll actually rewind and watch the scene in in regular speed. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. How, how bad is that? That's pretty bad because it, it does. Unlike what I'm doing, you I spoil are. It. You're, you're doing creative. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're doing creative violence to the work. <laughs> you know, sure, you, sure. you are. Uh, so I, I approve, though, as far as like you then go back and experience it. Because when you watch a horror movie a second time, you can appreciate it in a completely different way where you're not on oh, edge yeah. waiting for things to jump out. So it, it's sort of like, Chris, you just, while it's in progress, are reappreciating parts of it with freedom from being startled. So uh, I approve. I, I, I don't do that often. I will do it uh, occasionally. Well, get you're gonna need you're gonna need to make use of that feature quite a bit in Grave Encounters. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> all right, I'm ready. Uh, McMaster, would you be able to pick out three movies of the week? Um, like movies that I saw this week, or movies that I approve <laughs> of, or what? <laughs> <laughs> you've seen in the in the recent past that you would pick out as as movies of the week? Yeah. You know, like recommendations. Yeah, sure. Um, I can try. All right. Um, I, I recently, for the first time, watched 30 Days of Night, and I thought it was all right. It was very brutal. I'm a big fan of that movie because, uh, you know, it's from a comic book. I don't know if you're aware yeah. of that. But one of the things I really <laughs> admire in a movie is a, a unique setting. And, you know, we've seen the well, thing. It was. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. It, I, love, I love the, you know, vampires in the snow. Uh, you could call it that if you wanted. Um, uh, Master, who's dreamier, Gavin Rossdale or Josh Hartnett? I'm going to go wow. with Josh Hartnett. At least he's manlier. I, I don't know. There's something. You know, what's funny about that guy is I, every time I see him, he makes me think of the Dead Poet Society, and that's not him. But every time I see him, I think of the Dead Poet Society. Yeah, you're, you're obviously just bad with actors. That's no. He's no Robert Sean Leonard. No, no. He's no uh, Wilson from House. Yes. No, he's not. All right, so you saw 30 Days of Night. Good. Let, let's have two more movies of the week from Jason Lee McMaster. <laughs> Now, if I can suggest a movie for hilarity factor, if you own Netflix, um, I recently I, – I'm a, a Stephen King fan. I, I don't care. You know, he's not Dean Coons, so I, I got that going for me. Yeah, I like the guy. I love The Dark Tower. I think it's just completely awesome, some of his other work. But so I was uh, visiting my parents last weekend in Alabama, and I was uh, – you know, I was kind of bored. My mom went to bed early. I'm like – Watching TV and the Langoliers came on. <laughs> nice. Oh God! And I've seen it, but it was like so long ago. And I start watching this movie again, and the first two hours—I mean, it's crappy. You know, I mean, Balky is on it for God's sake. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about like lovable true romance Balky with cocaine all over his face, like trying to act like a psychopath Balky. And Langoliers is kind of sad, but uh, the first couple of hours were like okay. And then all of a sudden, the Langoliers show up, and they're the worst CGI I've like ever seen in my. In, yeah. yeah, it's like bad, and that's yeah. not even the worst part, really. The final frame of the movie is the cast running and jumping, and then it freeze frames on them like high fiving and holding hands. <laughs> what kind of ending for a Stephen King movie is that? That's like the end of an. They 80s, were setting like, up to be the deep. front page of Giant Bombcast. Yeah, I mean. Well, no, is, is, is this a movie or is this a made-for-TV thing? It was made-for-TV. TV. It's okay. like four hours long though, on Netflix. So All right, but that's, that's you've like, already you've already failed because you've just recommended a TV show. Nice work. No, I said say, it was, was a made-for-TV miniseries. I remember watching it on TV. No, I'm sorry, it's a TV show. Still, that makes it a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to hurt me so? Um, Jason Lee McMaster shows up to the movie of the week with a television show. Nice work, McMaster. <laughs> was that tele- it, uh, 
<laughs> what, what format, for what format was it made? The fact that you describe how it ends, and I immediately think, that sounds like a TV movie. First of all, that, and that, that you mentioned the first two hours, so this is like a, it's a miniseries. It's like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> okay, they didn't even have television back then. Gone with the Wind is a movie, first of all, and I don't think Gone with the Wind ends with a freeze frame. I'm just saying. It should. It should end by <laughs> what it yeah. the Giles Band. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. All right, so uh, okay, Jason Lee McMaster, we need one more, hopefully an actual movie, to round out your Movie of the Week recommendations. All right. Well, um, the other movie I'd suggest that I've watched lately is Reuben and Ed. What? Are that you... sounds like something about, about a horse and a dog. Have you never heard of <laughs> this movie? It's a... It's a, uh, oh, God, what's that guy's name? The guy, uh, Dr. Johnny Fever. Howard Hessman? Yes, Howard. It's a Howard Hessman, Crispin Glover joint from the 80s. Outstanding. (laughs) This does sound outstanding, McMaster. Tell me a little more. Don't spoil it. Oh, no, it's it's really amazing. (laughs) It really is. Howard Hessman is like a... He's in this, like, self-help kind of cult thing, like, sell, 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 kind of... It's really kind of vague, as the, but it's like a pyramid scheme that he's in, and he's going out to try to find people to come to the seminar, etc. So he finds uh, Reuben, which is Crispin Glover, who is a complete psychopath. Imagine that. Um, well, he's just, like, completely maladjusted guy, and he needs to find a place to bury his cat. <laughs> who is frozen, and he carries around in a Coleman cooler for the you know, for a very long time. Um, and it just, it's really insane, incredibly hilarious, and kind of uh, depressing at the same time. Now, McMaster, <laughs> was this made for TV? Uh, no. Okay, well played. <laughs> Does Crispin Glover show up in Made for TV very often? <laughs> Not these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Those are... Uh, Glover, what is it? Oh, sorry. Have you seen what is it? No, I would like to. All right, you're gonna be you're gonna take the bullet on that one. See oh, what, yeah. is what is it? No, I have not seen that. I, uh, uh, the no. movie uh, peopled entirely by large-breasted naked women and retarded people. What could go wrong? There, there might even be midgets in that movie. I'm not. Oh, sure. there, are, there are. The trailer says as much. Uh, all right, let's then transition to games. Now, the, let's go to our games of the week. Now that you've heard our movies of the week, by the way, for my three movies of the week, uh, sure. I'm doing a whole long series of horror movies where I'm trying oh, yeah. to pick a good one out every day up to Halloween. Right. And that's not an easy thing to do. Okay, oh, I make <laughs> no, a suggestion? No, I bet not. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to – I don't know about run out of steam because I can power through bad horror movies like you wouldn't believe, but I – I've been I've been queuing up all these things to watch. I'm not wanting to recommend things that I've already talked about. I want them to be things that I've fairly recently found. And I am uh, I've got a bunch of things queued up to watch, but I I'm right now I can only make it through about three more days. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. So yeah, if you have any suggestions, what do you got for me, McMaster? Devil's backbone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see, that's not I don't think of that necessarily as obscure. That's fairly well known. And I, I wasn't hugely I mean, fond of it's not really. Oh. Here's my problem with Devil's Backbone. The supernatural oh. element is entirely optional. It, it's almost like yeah. they made a cool movie about a Spanish, uh, an orphanage during the Spanish Civil War, and I like that movie. 
even though I feel like Pan's Labyrinth pretty much displaces Devil's Backbone in, in every regard. See, but I don't it, think that. It, to me, I like it better. But that's... Okay, but but they made this cool movie about the orphanage. And by the way, there's also that movie, The Orphanage. But then they they add this supernatural element that that doesn't really bring anything to the the story. Like you could have it. I don't want to spoil anything, but the ghost in that movie does one thing and one thing only to affect the outcome of the movie, and it's very minor. Uh, but it's not only one. There's actually several in that movie. And there's several plot points with them, too. What are you talking? Crazy man. Doesn't the, <laughs> All the ghost does is... Okay, stop listening if you... Well, you know what? This is vague enough. All the ghost does is open a door. Yeah, one of them. But also... There's the whole, like, the fights and stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. And also, the ghost adds an incredibly creepy point of tension for the, I mean, the movement around and the background uh, to the place. I, I don't I, I Chris, get in here and settle this. Uh, do you come down I, on my side or McMaster's side? Uh, I kind of, I, I, I'm kind of with McMaster on this oh, in that oh. the, uh, I, you know what? I felt the tension of having of the lurking presence of uh, of the ghost in the orphanage. Yeah, it's not only that they're there with like you know bad people in the middle of a civil war. It's there's also a freaking ghost. <laughs> now is that the one where there's the bomb in the courtyard? Yes. Yeah. All right. You yeah. know what? Maybe you guys should watch Sucker Punch too while you're at it. Oh. <laughs> you know, don't even. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that I've shot that down. Uh, okay, let's go to our games of the week. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Jason Lee McMaster's choice for video game of the week. Take it away, Mr. McMaster. What do you got for us? Um, and you better pick what I hope you're going to pick. Of course I'm going to pick it. Okay, uh, good, yeah. because I'm not picking it because I want to pick something else. So you better pick I'm, it. And I'm not picking it because I wanted to pick something else. Now, are okay. you playing? Are you playing real quick? Uh, and don't say just yes or no. Don't say what it is. Are you playing recent games as well, Chris? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, have you picked up a game in the last week? I have picked up a game in the last week. Yes. Okay, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay, good. So, I, I was worried that that McMaster. Okay, well, let's let's see where this goes. Let's see how it shakes out. McMaster, what have you chosen for your game of the week? Well, the game of the week that I've chosen is one that transcends roles no it's a a fantastic fantastic game that redefines the idea behind (laughs) for god's sakes (laughs) the idea of a licensed game i'm of course talking about trauma team for the wii uh no oh you jerk (laughs) (laughs) i'm talking about batman arkansas okay good fantastic that's all I've played yeah. for the last few days. That's like all I've done. I, I want you to talk more about it in a minute, but I just want to say one of the things that uh, one of these idioms that you constantly see people using in writing, and I've probably done it too, and uh, I, I'm not above this, but a lot of times you'll have somebody write something like, such and such game isn't perfect, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I, I think you never need to write that. You know, you never need to write such and such. Because there's no such thing as perfect, right. really. Right. At least I felt that way until this week. I, I it, like I'm I, I haven't finished it. I'm I'm in the middle of it and I'm really enjoying it. But I, you know I play a game like Arkham City and I'm like you know I maybe this game is perfect. Like I'm not sure I see it's damn like, close. Oh. <laughs> Tom, Tom going for the box blurb here. 
Well, I, I didn't see any missteps or things that it felt like like it was hurried or no, or, or confused design decisions. It just seems like a such a a, a densely carefully crafted uh, experience that is so in tune with the license, but doesn't alienate guys like me who don't know the first thing about it. And and so I can't help but think, you know, maybe. Sometimes a game is perfect, you know, because that's my whole thing is, yeah, no game is ever perfect. But then I play Arkham City and I have to I have to second guess that. You know, what's funny about it is that like and this is something um, Sarah reminded me of was when we originally um, played the Beatles rock band. It gave me the same kind of feeling in a way, not that being perfect, but just that the the company that made the Beatles rock band, you could tell, love the Beatles and Rocksteady loves Batman. They really do, and the people that wrote this. I mean, this it's its almost a perfect homage. So, Chris, wow. are, are you playing this? Is this something that we can all three well, talk about? We, we can all three talk about it, but the, and honestly, go ahead and go with mild spoilers. Uh, I actually have it, and I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. Ah. And I kept looking on the forum for first impressions, and most of the first impressions aren't there because everybody's playing it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I honestly had no idea whether this game was going to be any good. So I do have questions about it, and I guess the biggest first question I have for it is, is this the Batman simulator? You know, yeah. is this... You, you are Batman in in Arkham City, you know. Is is it basically GTA? Batman? Oh no! Oh, well, hold that thought because I want to. I, okay. I do want to answer that, but I want you first, Chris, to say uh, what to you does Batman mean? Like to be a Batman simulator, what does that mean t- to you? Because I think Batman is many different. There are different sure. kinds of Batmans, and different people think of Batman differently. So, so to you, what would a Batman simulator be? Like, what are well, the what I'm, are the what are the central concepts of Batman? Well, I'm a guy who just kind of brushed up against the comic book versions of Batman. I'm aware of them, and I've read The Killing Joke, uh, oh, Dark yeah. Knight Returns, uh, had those as first editions way back in the day. Oh, yeah. And I've always been, you know, I've enjoyed the animated series. It's really good, actually. Of all the like cartoons they've done on of like comic right. books, the Batman animated series is outstanding. So, so for me, a, a Batman simulator is going to be something where you're Batman in this, you know, in this arena, in this city, and bad things are going on around you, and you're trying to save the city. Now, I understand that it's probably going to be a little more hectic than that. That it's not just going to be a day in the life. That maybe oh. this is all hell breaking loose in Arkham City. Oh yeah. Well, the thing about it is like uh, Arkham City itself is like a walled off area in Gotham, and that they that they've written in for this. And it's like it's pretty large, but it's okay. not like it's not like a whole Grand Theft Auto kind of feel. Like you do, but it, it actually is kind of sizable. I mean, it's it's not like super small, but but you do, you can traverse it once you get good at it in like a matter of seconds, more than you know minutes, really, if you're going real fast. So, 
Well, and like you were saying, Jason, I mean, that's one thing that kind of surprised me is that it's not – it, uh, and, and Chris, you said, is it like a GTA? It's not an open world in the regard that there are neutral, there are civilians running around. Pretty no. much okay. everybody you run across is somebody you will fight. It's uh, it's an area populated entirely by bad guys. Uh, now okay. there are there are some NPCs, but it's not that kind of world. So it's not you, you know like you that, said. That was actually going to be my next question: is mm-hmm. what exactly is Arkham City? Because um, I, I, think I actually haven't go. tried to read anything or watch any th- any of the trailers about the game, so I'm like, did we forget about Gotham City here? What, what's Arkham City? I, I uh, think what it is, and McMaster, I want I'll be curious to hear. Like, like hold on one second. I, I think what it is is a uh, a way for Rocksteady to make an open world game without dealing with the tricky issue of. Having Gotham City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if you want to get in your Batmobile and, and run over civilians? Got it. You know, it's a way for them to to focus the experience. Uh, right. Without and having to go full Assassin's Creed with a exactly. gazillion people walking through. I got it. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, what, what Arkham City ends up being, and it's not really like a spoiler per se, because this is part of the intro of the game, is that – and, you know, we won't go into reasoning, but uh, – for some reason, Hugo Strange has been given control of all the prisoners and inmates, etc. And they've taken an old part of Gotham City downtown and walled it off and have just thrown the prisoners in there. And Hugo Strange is over it. And they capture, you know, right at the beginning, Bruce Wayne gets thrown in. So it's like there's all these crazy, like, political people in there and people you wouldn't expect. So something weird's going on. Chris, do you know? Uh, do you know what the? Uh, there are a few high-profile characters that they're featuring as being part of the game. Do you know who any of those are? Uh, I've heard that Catwoman yeah. is a playable character. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, again, I, I want to say, you know, I, I heard that and I was like, oh, that's just some little bullet point and it's going to be cheesy. And I loved the Catwoman parts. Like, I love that's how she I, feels. What they're, I heard. Yeah. they're really good. Her, like, the animation on her is really great. Like, and it's the, not just a reskinned Batman. Like, you could play the Joker in the in the Batman fights in uh, in Arkham Asylum. And I think it was just like a reskinned Batman. I don't know that he had that much. Right, no, yeah. Eat. But uh, Catwoman just feels, even though they duplicate for the most part the abilities, they have their own tweak and yeah. they, they, they give it just enough of a difference to make it feel different. But it's got enough of the same with Batman that it feels familiar. And yeah, I mean, she's got she's got so much personality. Like I don't Catwoman to me is uh, is it Eartha Kitt? Like who? Like Catwoman yeah, to me yeah. is just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think of it as this cheesecake kind of addition to the show. And there's and yeah. even hearing that she's part of the new. Christopher Nolan movie, I can't help but roll my eyes and think that's goofy. But in this, like, I really like what they're doing with Catwoman, and it makes me think, hey, maybe Catwoman isn't a ridiculous side character, and there's well, something cool there. Catwoman it's, also a really bad uh, movie, like a legendarily bad uh, ah, Halle, Halle Berry, Berry movie. Well, you know, before that, never, uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, yeah, did a Catwoman ah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, she so, but like, I, she's a very attractive woman, and no, I, I kind of liked went back went back before Batman was uh, before the the Tim Burton stuff seemed a little silly by Christopher Nolan making Batman movies. Uh, well, I I liked I you know I liked that the, that Catwoman kind of. Uh, yeah, I hated that movie. I really hated the second Batman movie. Batman <laughs> uh, I will say by the way this, and I hope this isn't a spoiler, but I like this Penguin. Because again, I was yeah. thinking that the penguin is Burgess Meredith or Danny DeVito, and kind of a joke. <laughs> this guy's this guy's weird, and I, I I like what they do with him. Uh, well, 
I, it, was it the Penguin or Mr. Freeze that was created for the show? It was Mr. Freeze uh, for the Adam West show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of those characters are actually pretty cool. Um, I, I like how they focus on characters that aren't in the mainstream, too, like Calendar Man, uh, uh, yeah, Ra- uh, Raj al Ghul. Uh, just, you know, I mean, of course, cause the Christopher Nolan movie brought Raj al Ghul in. But, like, before that, you don't hear a lot about him. You know, so, you know, you don't really see that character. It was always just like the Joker, the Penguin, Mr. Freeze, Riddler. Two Face is actually one of my personal favorites. Um, but the game itself, uh, just the feeling of it, like very, very seldom do I play a game where I, I feel like I'm actually like stalking people. You know, I mean, you play games and you sneak up on people and stuff, but playing as Batman or whatever. In the predator areas or just out on the city streets, you know, just the different things you can do are pretty great. And I also like uh, another great feature about this, too, is that it kind of just dumps you in Arkham City, like immediately. You have a bunch of gadgets. You know, I mean, you don't have everything, but you have a ton of gadgets. And you're kind of like the full, almost the full featured Batman from the last game. So it's, uh, it's just really, uh, really well done. Um, yeah. I, I guess my question also would be, as somebody coming to this from Arkham Asylum, one of the criticisms, I think, of Arkham Asylum was that you could spend almost that entire game in whatever it was, the detective mode or Batman's right. detection mode, uh, which is true. And, you know, unfortunately, you do want to spend a lot of the time game in that sure. in Arkham Asylum, and you kind of miss out on how beautiful... Uh, oh, a, yeah. a world they created in that. So, is there is that still present in Arkham City? Do they tone it down a little bit? Uh, oh no, yeah. you're still going to be in detective mode quite a bit okay. now. Um, one thing is, like, of course, you know, during fights and everything, I, it, it has its its nice things about fights, but I usually don't use it in a fight unless I'm concerned about whether the guy is armed or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're still going to be using a lot just to see the surroundings. But I personally like to turn it off when I'm moving, et cetera, right. just because, I don't know. It's it's For me, it's kind of easier to see where I'm going without detective mode. In a way, they may have done something in that regard to where it might have a distance or a range or something. You, you can. Uh, I've been running around with it turned off, and I will be, like, sneaking around, and I'll see some guys, and I'll, and suddenly I'll hear a voice right next to me, and there's, like, a dude standing there who I didn't notice because I had my detective mode okay. off. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure that they have addressed that, Chris, in that uh, if you really want to be especially efficient you would leave that on most of the time but i think to navigate a lot of the environment you want to leave it off uh but then you might bump into people so there's a bit of a trade-off there um, okay well i i found when i played arkham asylum that i didn't feel particularly batman-y when i was running around all the time in detective <laughs> mode. yeah, yeah. That it just it just felt like i was breaking the game or breaking the character too much by doing that that i just didn't want it just didn't feel it, – it wasn't an enjoyable way to play the game to me. I, I liked it more running around in regular mode, and then when I needed detective mode, it's there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's how I usually approach it. Like, the only way I usually use detective mode is if I'm about to go into a building or something like that, or if I'm, you know, of course, actively looking for something. Or on the Predator maps, it's pretty useful because it shows you where, of course, your explosion places are and all that. But, um, yeah, but I do the same thing. And, and so, Chris, when you when you ask, does it is it like the ultimate Batman sim? Like you you then you did feel that Arkham Asylum was like a Batman sim, right? Like you thought that yeah, captured yeah. the okay. Well, th- this definitely does that. But what I like about it, especially, I mean, I think the major change is that it does it in a much larger open environment, which yeah. to okay. me that feels, was the one thing that I yeah okay. Well, well, to me, that that makes it feel like that much more of a Batman sim. I mean, they have all the mechanics in place, and in Arkham Asylum, uh, it was kind of a, you know, there was some free-forming there, and you could move around between different sections at a time, but here it just feels like much more of a, of a crafted open environment rather than little sections that you visit one at a time. Uh, and and um, one of the really cool things that this does is it gives that whole Riddler sub-game, which is basically yeah. uh, a system for collectibles uh, oh. and achievements and stuff. It gives that just – it's that much more fully fleshed out and integrated in the world. The Riddler sub-game in this one is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it is like there's 400 trophies this time. And it's like <laughs> and there's also penguin statues, uh surveillance cameras, all sorts of crazy things too. And they're not just do. collectibles. I mean, a lot of them are achievements like do this yeah. activity in this span of time or in this context. So, uh and, and there's even like I don't I've just found this, but there're even like environmental things like he gives you a riddle and, and actually, I think they did this in the previous game. Like, he gives you a riddle, and you have to find the item that you've yeah, seen in the environment. They did, they did that in Arkham Asylum, yeah, too. Yeah. I remember specifically one. You were going, always looking for paintings of, like, oh, uh, right, right. Yep. Ch- Chelsea Sharp or whatever and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, the one thing – well, the two things I think that I can always – the three – no, I'm just kidding. The two things um, <laughs> that I can – that I can give this game over almost any other game I've played is I've never seen voice acting or seen, haha, heard voice acting and seen like the whole, uh, just the, the ambient speech and everything. I've never seen quite the same level. Uh, it's, it's wow. something else just going through the, you know, the city, you, you pick up on a ton of different conversations and they're all just really either entertaining or just they're all just well done. I, I don't know. And you got yeah, you know, Mark Hamill's the Joker. It's just fantastic as usual. And they, yeah, wow. that was almost Mark Hamill is almost going to be my news story of the week because I read today that Arkham City is probably going to be the last time he plays the Joker. Oh, I'm not sure I today. that. <laughs> well, he did. Now he did. Then hedge it by saying that uh, if they ever do a Killing Joke, either as a video game or as an animated series spinoff movie thing, that he would love to do the Joker in a Killing Joke vehicle. You know, when I hear that, I wonder how much of that is contract negotiations and how much of that is the right, actual actors. Right. right. Yeah, because yeah, who would who would not want to be? The voice right. of the Joker. I mean, that's sweet, sweet, old Jacques Cousteau, deep, wide, well, like wrinkly old white people kind of money right there. That's like, yes, it is. Wait a minute, Jacques Cousteau, what, was, he well, was he notoriously well paid? Deep pockets like Jacques Cousteau, baby. Jacques. 
Oh, I see the depth gag. I get it. Okay. Uh, fear of a black hat joke. <laughs> Nobody uh, has seen that movie. Never mind. Move along. Uh, all right. So, uh, Jason Lee McMaster, your pick of the week uh, has liberated me from having to pick that. Uh, yes. Standing. Me too. Now, as, so, Chris, that's right. You haven't started. You did pick it up. What? I, I know you didn't get it on the PC because that's nope. not out till next month. Uh, you, are you on the 360? All right, Good. McMaster, you're on the 360 as well. No, I've, I've no, seen, seen me. Yeah. I've uh, seen you dungeon defending while I've been getting justice. Hey, spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, McMaster, are you uh, making a beeline through the storyline? Like, how are you approaching the game? Because one of the things that I find is, and this is part of how they build the open world, there are so many different things to do at any given oh, yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> And not just the Riddler stuff. I mean, that's one thing. Oh, no, no, that's completely separate. I don't, I'm don't. i not even really going after those yet. I'm just, if I see them, I grab them, but I'll go back through later and do a sweep. So are you just making a beeline through the story, or are you doing side missions <laughs> as you go? Let me, I, and I, we've, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm notoriously bad about, like, Sarah, for instance, can't watch me play games because I'm, I'm Johnny's sense of urgency. Like I, if somebody tells me that you know, like my house is on fire, I have to go try to put my house out. It just makes sense to me as a person. But so many people go, oh well, your house is on fire, but I've got all these side quests here, you know. <laughs> so like, you're like, I've got to go get like ten like uh, you know bushels of flour or something for somebody, and then like you know your house is burning. I, it just really bothers me. So if there's something crazy, like if I hear, oh, somebody's dying, I, I get in my head, well, I've got to go save them. That just makes sense to me. Um, however, on that note, Batman makes that very difficult because everywhere you go, somebody's getting the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> so it's like everybody needs Batman. <laughs> like, I'll be walking. He doesn't I'm, need a Batman. Yeah, it's like I've got to go get this cure for this, and then it's like there's some dude just like I've got. Oh God, I gotta stop, you know, because there's this guy just getting the hell beat out of him. And yeah, it doesn't hurt that I really enjoy kicking the hell out of people in this game, you know. <laughs> uh, like the the combat system's just great, just absolutely great. Um, it reminds me a bit of uh, Activision's early Spider-Man game, where you would just be swinging around the city, and there would be little challenges that I, I presume those were dynamic. They would just pop up in different places, and Spider-Man could go fight crime. Uh, it's not quite the same kind of open world, so it's not the same thing, but it, it, it works in the same way in Batman. Is that while you're doing things, there there are different. Uh, there's kind of ongoing side missions that are tied to specific characters, but then there are little. It seems like dynamic instances where what they call a, because it's a prison area, a political prisoner is getting beaten up. So you, right. can, <laughs> so you can go intercede on his behalf, and uh, I guess you don't care about why he was jailed. Or, uh, But it's that same kind of thing, is they want to let you, as Batman, feel like you're, you're, stopping, like you're stopping a mugging or, or something. Right, like, yeah, I'll be sitting there flying along, and then all of a sudden I hear some dude getting you know beaten, and I'm like, well, I'm I'm the I'm the motherfucking Batman. <laughs> I got to get on that yeah, ass. Yeah. 
Uh, there was there was one point where I was down in a, a subway area, and you know you're trying to find your way through tunnels, and there's cool little like puzzle <laughs> elements, and I kept hearing it sounded like somebody was being tortured, and I was like, wow, I guess I got to get down here and rescue some poor torture victim. <laughs> and as I was getting deeper, the sound was getting fainter, and I was like, well, is it this way? And I finally realized one of those little dynamic political prisoners getting beaten up <laughs> missions had spawned right above me. So nice. because I was exploring, trying to get around, I was finally like, well, if this guy's going to be making a racket the entire time, I guess I'll go up there and save him. Uh, so just to get him to shut up, uh, I just, you know, popped out of the subway, beat up his attacker, and then uh, went back down underground. But that's you know, that's one of the drawbacks of being able to hear through walls, you know, Batman's Batman's super sensory powers. It's uh, the Batman. Um, like, uh, the one thing, uh, you know, that I'm, uh, I really enjoyed <laughs> so far too is, you know, the Predator maps feel really good. Um, now explain know, they, what those are, McMaster. What's a Predator oh, map? Sorry. Uh, a Predator map is when you play as, uh, El Batman mm-hmm. and you are, Picking guys off one by one using the environment. It's like a challenge. Uh, they have yes. combat challenges and predator challenges. Combat is just okay. beat up this many guys, beat up waves of guys. Whereas a yep. predator challenge, it's like from the normal game. It's just a self-contained kind of stealth arena, stealth combat right. arena. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in the normal game, you get locked in them too, basically. So it's just like that part of the game. And um, they had that in Arkham Asylum as well. Correct. Um, right. And I would like to say, if Matt Keel is listening, that I beat a couple of your scores. Ha ha. But anyway, um, I start. <laughs> I started out the game this time on hard because I played Batman: Arkham Asylum like a crazy person for a very long time, and uh, it had been a while since I played. So we'll just say that since I had downloaded the Catwoman stuff, uh, the intro part with Catwoman. I had to do that a lot of times. However, once I got used to the controls again, this game really does have some of the best fighting controls I've ever used. Uh, it just for a brawler kind of game. I mean, it's it's. They're, I mean, they're really outstanding, and they only got better since Asylum. So, like multiple counters is super cool. Um, like, you'll have three dudes run up to try to punch you, and if you hit, like, the counter button three times, you counter all three of them. Like, he'll grab two guys by the head and, like, kick one in the face, and then they bash their heads together and stuff. So, oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Like, if I see two of those little, like, yeah. spider-sense waves coming off of people, I, I'm supposed to hit the counter button twice? Yes, if you hit it twice, then he'll, like, counter both of them. Now, if that, normally I just sort of freak out and just, just mash it repeatedly. Is that going to do the same thing, or is the idea, like, with the critical yeah, hits, well, you want to just hit it a certain number of times? Well, yeah, let me go into that, because that's interesting. Because I, at first I was kind of like, I always I like to play those games where I just hit the button repeatedly until, like, the possibility of the next one. But Batman kind of, like rewards not button mashing and right. trying to time okay. by giving you critical strikes uh, once you choose an upgrade for it, by giving you critical strikes uh, if you perfectly time your hits. So, uh, you know, say once the hit animation has ended on one, if you hit the attack again, it gives you two uh, combo points instead of one. Um so of course it like lets you get like higher up and it also lets you do your special moves faster. Um, but which also Tom, that's another one I was I was meaning to mention for you or anybody else that might uh, 
want a hint about the fighting system. Um, if for some reason you find yourself surrounded and yet you do have uh, your special move meter built up, your whatever, your times five or times nine, Mm-hmm. And you're afraid you're going to get hit. If you do that special move, it cancels all the attacks on you. Ah, oh. see, that's something that I use huh. constantly because that's, that keeps your combo chain going, and it's kind of a longer animation, and they don't want to knock you out of it, so it kind of cancels everybody else's attacks towards you. So if you feel you're like about to get murdered, just hit B and Y together real fast. Now, doesn't that burn your combo though? Doesn't it reset your yeah. combo down to times one? No, no. It's better than get. Oh. No, it doesn't reset your combo at all. It just uses that. Now, depending if you've got, like, the bonus uh, where you. It only takes five, or once you get to nine, it's something like every five or every nine. Oh, so, so if I have my. Right. Like, if I unlock my combo at times okay. five, and then I have a combo at, say, a 15 times combo, and I use a 15 times multiplier, and then I use that combo attack, it only resets it to five points to times 10? No, 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 not even that. It's, it's like what it does is it keeps counting up, but it just gives you one every – like, all right. Let's say, for instance, you're fighting a Batman. You get to five. It, it lights up yellow. Right. You now hit I, your B and Y. It right. stays five. Now, if you don't hit it immediately and it keeps counting, it gets to 10, you hit it, it you still only have one charge, but it stays at 10. Okay. So when you get to 15, you'll have another charge. Because I thought it was resetting. I, you know what? I think it's just that I just spaz out and wail on the buttons, and so I end up like resetting it immediately <laughs> oh, yeah, after. Uh, okay. So if you they, just let the animation play and then stay with the timing, you're not going to reset your combo. Right. Your In multiple. fact... Last night when I was trying some of the combat rooms for the first time, I got my first, like, 55 multiplier or something. And, like, really all you have to do for it most of the time is once you hit that 5, hit the B and Y, it takes one dude out of the fight. As soon as he stands up, if somebody – usually somebody's going to be swinging at you or about to. If you counter or either strike, 5 later you can do it again, and then you do it again. And I usually just, like, build those up. I kill dudes with knives or, like, the shield or whatever, the the hard-to-kill people. And, uh, you know, just keep going. And it, you know, it, it works out pretty well. Even on hard, it's, it's really not that bad. Um, All right. So what's the, uh, how, how much of a scale up is it from normal difficulty to hard difficulty? I do not know. Okay. <laughs> so I, okay. I didn't even play normal. I, I started on hard and got murdered like repeatedly <laughs> for the first okay. like hour or two. And the thing about this game is it didn't even upset me that bad that I lost repeatedly. Okay. Weird. <laughs> I, I was able to get through uh, most of Arkham Asylum on normal. Uh, yeah, I mean that way. Uh, just, and I've heard so much about the combat system and, and how good it is that, and hearing you talk about it makes me want to at least try to work through a couple of hours, seeing if I can do uh, Arkham City on hard. Yeah, see, the big thing for me was I played Arkham Asylum through, and I I even think I hundred percent at normal, and I. Uh, I was really obsessed with it, and I started a game on hard to try to do the same thing, and I got, you know, I don't know, maybe halfway through and uh, had to move on to something else, so I wanted to at least, I wanted to just start on hard this time, so I, I, who knows if I'll have a chance to play it again. Okay. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a good time, and, you know, they they really, the amount of polish they've put on this game for being the, there. For- the setting is just uh, absolutely absorbing. 
Oh yeah, I mean all the characters are are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the boss fights are great. You know, I mean you see so many great characters too. Uh, I mean I love how one thing they they love to do is like hint at something, and then yes. eventually, of course, you run into it. Like you know, at the beginning of the game, they they do all sorts of hints, like uh, uh, you know, just well, all sorts of stuff. I don't want to ruin anything because there's some great characters and you know another thing i love about this series is something they did in asylum too except i haven't seen it yet in this one though i'm hoping it's around is maybe some scarecrow stuff but the one of the things that they they really do that's great is they like to take your perception of what's going to happen and change it somehow like um in arkham asylum um i'm not going to call spoilers on a to you know, two, three year old game. <laughs> but like in Arkham Asylum, you'll get dosed with, you know, scarecrow gas and you'll be like walking through the asylum and it looks perfectly normal. It looks like the rest of the game, you know, and then you find like Commissioner Gordon like shot to death. And of course for a while you think he really did. But then it just turns out, you know, something like crazy perception right. thing. And um like one of my favorite things that's happened to me in this game, I'm not going to say where it happened or what or anything, but you know how in Arkham Asylum you have the um, explosive gel. Um, well, you have that of course in this, and you know the the walls all look a certain way that you can blow up. They're like gray or whatever. So I go up to one of these walls. Um, I see my objective. I'm like, well, I'm going to go. You know. Um, I'm going to go to it. I'm sure I have to blow up this wall. I go up the wall. I start to spray on it. Then all of a sudden, like, a hand bursts through the wall, grabs me by the neck, and, like, slams me into the ground. You know? It's just, like, all these <laughs> – like, they love to do that, like, jump-out shock, you know, like the cat scare kind of thing. But they also really like to just do the altered reality thing. It just fits so well in that setting with the Joker and the Scarecrow and all that. It's fantastic. Now, I – from from what you're describing to me, and I'm probably going to go way off the range on this, but it sounds <laughs> like you aren't quite sure of why you're in Arkham City when you're Batman at the start. And right. it's, yeah, like, yeah, is you're there not. a story that's is there like a main quest story that spins off of this beginning? And what oh, what's yeah. your what's your feeling about that so far? About See, the, the way it parcels out story. I, is, Tom, how far are you in the game? Uh, I wouldn't begin to know how to say that without spoiling things, so I don't. I don't know okay. what to say. Uh, uh, to, sort of to answer your your question, Chris. Uh, there's. I, I don't think th- there's a there's a, a central mystery that is presented early on okay. uh, that you can see them that, drawing that was kind out. My question. Yeah. yeah, and you can see them drawing it out over the course of the game, and you are addressing the mystery in stages. Uh, right. So far, I've really liked how, as a guy who just lo- completely loses interest after having to shut down the third power generator to <laughs> deactivate the force field and then find the data disk to put into the central server, yeah. all that stuff I completely lose interest in. Uh, nothing like that has happened in Arkham City yet where I feel like I'm just running at, at some random new plot point. I really like the way that the central mystery is unfolding and is being dovetailed into the mythos, into the Batman okay. stuff. Okay. So uh, I don't want to spoil anything, and I don't I don't want to say where I am because that that would do that. But I really like how they're unfolding the storyline and and keeping a, a plot going. Uh, and sure. even a guy like me who doesn't know anything about Batman, yeah, I actually do through osmosis. But I don't know. Like I I fought 
I, I don't even want to say who it is, but I fought one character who, when he showed up, I was like, this has got to be a joke, and it had been alluded to. And then after I fought him, I was like, you know, I'm I'm curious about that. I'm going to go read that bio. And I went and read the little bio page that was unlocked, and now I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by who this character is, and I want to know more about him because of the way he was introduced, he was alluded to, and then introduced and resolved in the course of the game. Uh, I think I know who you're talking about, actually, and he was one of the ones I was thinking of, too. He's a, let me think of how to say it without saying well, it. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, we can talk about it afterwards off the air, but just suffice yeah, to yeah. say, there, there's cool stuff like that that I think would work especially well for a Batman fan, but would also work very well for a non-Batman fan who's seen this character for the first time. What the uh, that was, uh, act- Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say that, like, the great thing to me... That I just like, I want to kiss those guys. Is that they take the source material and they treat it the way it should be treated in a grittier, kind of more disturbing light than some, making it like all goofy and like plushy and Teflon or whatever, like a superhero world. Like they really present like Arkham City and Gotham City and like the Batman characters in the franchise is like really, really kind of gross and disturbing in a lot of ways, which is. You know, like, um, you know, there's just many characters that they've, like, taken and just given, like, a great overhaul to, or not even really an overhaul, but just uh, a, a great look. And their attention to detail, like Tom was saying, with the bios is just really fantastic, and it goes straight to the comic books. There's no real, like, movie canon involved or anything, so you won't see, like, Harvey Dent got... Like, like screwed up in an explosion when you look at his bios as he got his face flashed with acid, you know, that kind of thing. So. Okay. Uh, and I will say, as sort of an endorsement, before we, we move on to the other games of the week, uh, in this game, I think, and I consider this very high praise, I think, I can't say for sure, but I think I don't hate Robin. That's actually pretty good. Like, bizarre, yeah. wow. I know, I know. You you wouldn't expect. Uh, so, all right. So, so games of the That's week. Yeah, yeah. So, McMaster, I'm glad you picked that because I wanted to talk about it. I would have picked it, but instead, I want to talk about something else. So, I was hoping you would pick that. Uh, and Chris, I can't imagine what you're playing that you're not playing. Arkham City yet. Yeah, but well, my, my plan for Arkham City was to hold out and get the PC version next month. Ah. And then I just, you know, Forum Effect kicked in, and I'm like, you know what? I've got some GameStop credit. Oh, it's um, a bitch, that get, Forum Effect. The, well, the other thing that I also realized is that uh, Skyrim is going to be coming out the same week <laughs> as Arkham City. And you know what? If I don't play Arkham City on a console, it's probably going to be about six months before I get around to playing it on uh, – on PC, so yeah, I looked at that like the week of the 11th is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, for that's just releases. crazy. So you know what? Maybe I'll get lucky and maybe it'll be 25% off or something like that on Steam around the holidays, and I'll try to grab it then. I mean, it looks fantastic, but I am curious right, to see right. it on a on a PC though. I imagine it'll look even fantasticer on a on a PC. Uh, you know, it's well, funny. It's I guarantee you that no, that that week. Tom is going to discuss a game that isn't Skyrim. You don't know that. You don't know that for sure. <laughs> no, maybe, no, no. Maybe I'll discuss it now because I've actually played it. Oh. All right. I think that's one house. No, I, I'm probably right. I was thinking that's one house that I'd ever kill. 
came out, but I think that's actually nearer Halloween. Yeah, that's soon. <laughs> uh, so, well, well, my game of the week is uh, is one of those games that I didn't know anything about before I started playing it, uh, and it's it, I actually find myself playing it instead of Arkham City. And I'm not uh, I know Arkham City, but it's it's certainly as far as just like I'm going to sit down and play this for a little bit, and then two hours later I've been grinding away at it. Uh, and it's a tower defense game called Dungeon Defenders, and that's a terrible, oh, yeah. it's a horrible name. Um, <laughs> it just, it's really, 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 really unique. <laughs> the, the name. Yeah. 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 You. Gosh. And it says so much about what kind of gameplay. Exactly. Yeah. You know exactly what kind of gameplay it is. Uh, But it's just it's a straight up tower defense game at at its core. Um, And it kind of makes me feel sorry for otherwise decent tower defense games like Trenched and Orcs Must Die. and even I love 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 Toy Soldiers Cold War. But even. It has a draw above and beyond even toy soldiers because of this insidious RPG element they've got where you have four unique characters and each character builds completely different types of defenses. You know, it's not like the wizard and the the knight are both building defensive towers and walls. Uh, It's nowhere near that simple. The knights, I, I mean, as they level up, they unlock different kinds of structures, but the basic format is knights build these cool spiky walls, wizards build offensive towers, monks build these debuff and buff auras, and uh, and hunters build traps that, that trigger. So the idea is the different classes all complement each other in terms of how you defend, how you set up your tower defenses on the map. Um, but above and beyond that, the, the interplay of the four classes, is there's a really, really detailed, drawn-out, hearty RPG system with spending points to improve your character, uh, collecting loot, and even leveling up and improving the individual pieces of loot. Uh, Every time you play, you're going to be faced with, you know, four or five agonizing choices about how to spend the money and the leveling up that that you've done in the course of a game. Uh, And McMaster, you and I played a bit. Oh, yeah. We're stuck, we're kind of stuck, I've since gotten past, I don't know if you had. One of the maps uh, is called, um, you know, the, the maps you have a defensive point and then monsters spawn at certain areas and they move towards the point and they attack it. And if they kill that little, it's a, a, a crystal or something, if they kill that crystal, uh, you lose the game. So you set up the defenses around the crystal to defend it. Uh, McMaster, we were at a point where you have to defend two crystals, uh, and monsters come from all sides of a map called Servant's Quarters, and yeah. it's, it's it's tight, narrow, twisting corridors. So if you're playing one of the characters that has a ranged attack, it's not easy to look over the whole map and shoot things down. You have to do a lot of running around. If defenses break down at one area while you're fighting at the other area, defending the other crystal, you're in trouble. And, and McMaster, you and I didn't get past that map. Um, oh, no. <laughs> we tried, though. It was a good try. We tried, and what happened was I was playing it solo. I just set up a solo game uh, using my knight, and the knight builds these really cool walls, and he's really good for personally showing up in the middle of a battle and just slicing up dudes. And he has a ton of hit stuff. points. Yeah. He has a ton of hit points. If you if you get him with a good weapon, he can do a lot of damage. And, and to, to tell you a bit about the upgrade system, my knight has a good sword that doesn't do much regular physical damage, but I've been improving its secondary stats to where it does a ton of fire-based damage. 
uh, just to give you a sense of the numbers, and you can look at all these numbers. A, a strategy game nerd like me is in heaven here. My sword does 11 points of physical damage, and that's nothing. However, based on the, the money I've poured into improving this sword, it now does like 115 points of fire-based damage. So when I slice through uh, a bunch of enemies, you know, I see that big number, that color-coded fire damage number. It's, you know, a big old triple-digit number, and I'm just cutting through enemies. However, <laughs> every now and then you find enemies, and this is clearly displayed in the game. The character model will have some effect to show that it's immune to certain damage, and furthermore, uh, okay. the hit point bar will have a little shield with that damage icon, which you're used to because you've been looking at your weapon. You know, it, they use a good sense of consistent icons for information. So every now and then I'm fighting some orc or something, and it's only taken like a few points of physical damage, and where it would normally show fire damage, a big old fat zero pops up. So my guy gets – he's really challenged when he comes up against occasional enemies that are immune to fire because I'm so relying on that extra fire damage. So I had set up this servant's quarters game that Master and I had a problem with uh, – where I was just building walls, and I was thinking, okay, my whole objective is to spend money into building the walls and making them strong and improving those walls so that I can then run around the map, and I've given this guy extra speed. That's mainly how I've been developing him, so he can get around the map faster. So I can run around the map and then kill the guys at the wall before they get through the wall. I tried this for a while. I got through a few waves. The waves were getting more and more difficult. When suddenly, because I was starting a game online, a monk joined me. Now, I'm like level, I think I was like a level 11, 11 at the point. This guy was level 4. So he was a new, fairly new player. He had a new character. But what monks do is they lay down these auras that, oh, yeah. that either do damage or they debuff enemies or they buff friendlies, like healing auras. And so what this guy did is he ran around the map, and everywhere I'd put a wall, he put down an electrical aura that did electrical damage. So that these, these, these enemies that I was having a tough time killing with my little fire sword were taking electrical damage that was hurting them. And as soon as the guy did that, and we were just doing walls and electrical auras, because that's the only thing he'd unlocked, by the way, and I was focusing solely on walls, uh, I got through servants' quarters like that in no problem. <laughs> so, so it's all about your uh, character builds then. It's about your character builds and your strategy, too, Chris, because I could have, you know, there were other ways I could have approached it. The knight can also build, like, a, a, a ballista that fires, like, one shot that can go yeah. down the line. He can build a cool, uh, like, a cannonball uh, turret that just fires a big old bouncing cannonball that does physical damage down a straight line. So I could have focused on those things, but my thinking was my character build was to just run around and do a lot of fire damage, and the walls would then hold things in place. Uh, so I could have tried a different strategy with some of my other items. But, yes, you're right, Chris. So a lot of it is character build. A lot of it is the strategy you decide. Um, okay. So, uh, McMaster, I just want to tell you, you will be pleased to know the two maps I have found after Servant's Quarter are fantastic. They really? Are, the, the, the next map, it's called, I think it's called, like, Castle Armory. It's a huge, wide-open arena. A fella like a, a monk or your wizard could sit in the middle and pretty much shoot at anything. Nice. Like, I love how it's open fields of fire anywhere. Uh, and then there's another throne room map afterwards, which is where I am now. It's the, roughly the same kind of thing. So a great variety of maps, a huge variety of kinds of defensives, uh, just so much appeal for that RPG grinding up. Uh, they have really cool challenges that completely change the gameplay. For instance, one of them, you know, you're defending your crystal. One of them, each wave, it randomly moves your crystal. 
<laughs> which is just <laughs> insane. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's also and that. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, how are you going to do that? Like, uh, you know, where, where are you going to build your defenses? Uh, there's that one that's like uh, you don't get to build towers. Yep, yep. And and uh, there's also different difficulty levels. Like, I, I didn't realize this. If you go up to the insane difficulty level, and I'm kind of – I think you get better loot when you do that. So I've been trying to beat the very first map on insane, and it's, it's kicking my butt. I just don't think I'm good enough yet. But uh, – if you do that, you don't get unlimited time to set up your defenses. Like, insane isn't just harder creatures. It's harder creatures as well as time pressure between levels to, to build up and, and repair your defenses, which just makes it doubly, doubly hard. Um, so one of the things I found is when you put money into an item, you can level it up. And every item has uh, like a certain like, – like what distinguishes some items. Some items you can only level up three times. A really good item, maybe you can level up 12 times. So in addition to what bonus yeah. or special powers the item has, it has a longer-term potential you want to look at. There's the same thing with uh, one of the equipment slots is basic, basically pets. And they're little monsters that run around beside you. I've got like a flying dragon. You can get these little dog things that do melee attacks. You can buy these pets, and you can also level them up. So I have my little dragon that I've been swapping around amongst my different characters. They've been sharing it, and I've been leveling it up. When you level it up to its maximum level, you get to name it, which I just thought was, was an adorable awesome. little touch that they do stuff like that. You also nice. unlock – you're normally defending a crystal, but you unlock different shapes of things you can defend. So now – I am defending a big giant book, and it makes no difference <laughs> gameplay-wise. It's just a little visual tweak that they add. Uh, it's like unlocking trophies. Um, so that's my game of the week. I did not expect much from it. Uh, I'm utterly in love with this thing. They've done such a good job. Uh, my, go. my question then, Tom, the way you described playing, especially uh, when you described playing with Jason, uh, it sounds like a great game, like a game built around co-op play. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it is. And because because the different classes have completely different kinds of abilities, they build completely different kinds of defenses, and they they play the action sequences in completely different ways. Like a wizard has a great, you know, he stands back and he does ranged attacks, and then his secondary ability is to push creatures back. Uh, whereas this knight that I have, he needs to get up there in battle, and his secondary ability is to hold up his weapon in a defensive thing and basically become a wall. So. Okay. In multiplayer, you know, where a, where a barricade or a certain choke point falls and they start getting through, a knight can run up, do his little defensive thing to, to stand there as a wall, while the wizard shoots through him. There's no friendly fire, and you shoot through defenses conveniently. While the wizard shoots through him to sort, to sort of plug the gap. So there's all these uh, there's all these synergies that come from the four different classes that really come through in multiplayer. Uh, so well, yeah, then absolutely fantastic co-op game. Then, you know, just listening to you describe it that way, it almost sounds like a game where uh, if you've got, you know, a couple of regular buddies, one or two regular buddies that you play with, it's the kind of game where, okay, you know, Bob, you take the knight, I'm going to take the wizard, and Joe's going to take the monk, and let's try to level up complementary characters together. Absolutely. Absolutely. The one, the one thing that I think that I liked so much about it so far is that, um, it's not. It's not that you you only have your one character, and this is something that I had a lot of fun with the first night I got it. And uh, is that when you're playing a level, you can go to your little cupboard or whatever, and you can swap your guy out at at will. Okay. Not so, at will, only between waves. Oh, like, between waves, right? right but right. you can set up towers like from every type of character. 
So if you're playing alone, you can still access all of the different towers. Okay. You don't. Yeah, you don't have to like rely on somebody else to build it. So it's actually kind of cool that you can like the first night I got it. You know, there was nobody playing because you know, Tom and I had um, review codes, and uh, I still got to mess with like you know every character. I made every character and beat like the first level with them just to try them all out. And it's uh yeah, I really like that aspect of it. It it actually makes solo play possible, uh, but if not the preferable, you know. Yeah, if okay. I hadn't been so bullheaded with my attempt to beat servants' quarters with a knight building only walls, then between <laughs> phases I could have gone out, swapped out to a monk, and laid down those electrical auras on my own. Uh, it's just I didn't think of that and I didn't mess with it. So fortunately, another guy came along and did that. But even though it does support co-op play, in a way, there's nothing you can do in co-op that you couldn't do in single player if you had multiple characters. Right. That said, the advantage of having that monk running around during the combat phase also fighting what was hugely helpful. You know, that's one of the big advantages of multiplayer is, you know, you've got two people participating in combat instead of just one. And, you know, also, I mean, the other advantage being that that's another person to repair stuff. That's another person right. that can right. build certain towers during combat. You know? And use their powers. Like, all the different classes right. have uh, different kind, different special abilities they can use, uh, like, on the fly. And it goes up to four players, by the way. Uh, and And it looks cartoony, but good Lord, does it do a good job with just lots of action on screen. It's very attractive, actually. I mean, well, then, you know, it's the Unreal Engine, but, I mean, it's just the the design on it. It's real cartoony and real colorful, but it's, like, it, it has a really nice frame rate, and it's a really attractive game, too. So. And also the, the, the artwork is very informative. One of the units that you'll end up fighting are these are, uh, kobolds, and they appear with giant sticks of dynamite strapped to their back. <laughs> yeah, so you so. see them coming in, and, and when they get within range of defenses, they let out a little scream, and they run towards the defense and blow up. But, yeah. and, and once you realize, okay, that's what that guy's going to do, it's easy to pick them out in a crowd because you see that stick of dynamite on its back and you know what that is. Uh, yeah. I'm dealing now with these things called, I think they're like dark elf warriors or something. Uh, they're really tall. They've got like elf thin faces. Uh, and what they do is they jump over defenses and they come after you. So I can see them from a distance because they're taller than other things and they have distinctive faces. So I know when I'm just sitting there just chopping away at things and I need to fall back and take a, a breather or heal myself, I can see when one of them is coming and I know that, okay, that guy is going to ignore my defenses and he's going to make a beeline for me. I need to be ready for him. Uh, so, yeah, great artwork in terms of looking good and being informative. And like I said, you know, with my guy who has the fire sword, if there's anybody who's immune to fire, they have a little glowing fire effect around them. Right, yeah. So, so lots of information as well as lots of attractive uh, uh, artwork in the, in, the, in the character models. So, all right, go oh, go ahead. Outstanding. And, uh, just like it, it was just really, I uh, can't, I also can't just say enough how, how well the game plays. It's just yeah. it's really, really well done. Uh, McMaster, how? What level is your highest level character in Dungeon Defenders? Um, ten. Oh, huh. I've got a, I've got a sixteen uh, and, a, and a fourteen. What do you think of that? I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I've also unlocked the uh, the servants' quarters. I'm not stuck there anymore. About that? Oh yeah, you know, speaking of the uh, yeah, <laughs> speaking of uh, you know, colorful. Uh, another big bonus of games like that is you know the being able to. Distinctualize things, as you said. So that's that's definitely that's that's. Hold on, I'm going to look up whether distinctualize is a word. <laughs> okay. Okay. It is now. 
it's just uh, that was uh, it's funny you touched on it because uh that's something that I always preferred about League of Legends over Heroes of New Earth or Dota. Is you could distinctualize the units. Like, you could see the different sure. units and what they do. Right. Right, yeah. It's easier to do than, like, in a realistic-looking game. I see what you did there, McMaster. You had to work <laughs> League of Legends. got League of Legends in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get paid, you know, for, for <laughs> All right, Chris, get us out of a, a League of Legends tangent. What is your <laughs> what, what are you playing instead of Dungeon Defenders in Arkham City? So am I allowed to have my game of the week be an older game? Oh, please. Okay. Absolutely. We we embrace okay. we embrace retro games on this podcast. I used, well, I used Darklands recently. <laughs> well, okay. Then this is going to be tangentially related to that, actually. Um, Tom, I don't know if you remember about a year ago when uh, I posted on the forum that I was looking for. For some reason, I tend to like to play games that remind me of the time of year that I'm in, and I'm a really big fan of the winter, and I'm a really big fan of the fall. Mm -hmm. So about a year ago, I posted on the forums that I was looking for, you know, just games that suggested winter and snow and all that kind of stuff, and I thought it was kind of a goofy request. And you were actually one of the people who responded, and you said, well, that's not that crazy. And I got actually got some good responses and stuff like that. And it's actually one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to Skyrim because, hey, it's coming out in November oh. and we're going to be to winter by then, hopefully soon. And it's a looks like a fairly snowy environment, so that's going to mm -hmm. be cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're in October right now, so I was looking for a game that kind of suggested an autumnal quality. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Ah. That's much more of a word it than just... It's more <laughs> than distinctual. Uh, right. So I, I was already kind of predisposed to that. And normally when I'm looking for an autumnal game, my first go-to is Bully. Uh, uh, because of the time of year that the game starts in the school year. Uh -huh. But I had also been playing uh, Darklands, which just came out on Good Old Games. And I was actually struggling a little bit reading the uh, font uh, on the you know the the way spread across my big monitor, it's it's a little tough to read. I'll do all that reading. Did you turn on the anti-aliasing for the fonts? <laughs> oh, how I wish it was there. But what I did find myself thinking after playing Darklands for about an hour is there's a game that I got about three hours in and meant to go back to that really reminded me, it reminds me a lot of Darklands and also reminds me it has an autumnal quality to it. And so I actually went back and uh, made a new character and started playing uh, a German video role-playing game uh, called uh, Drakensang, The River of Time. You know, I uh, thought you were going to say, yeah, so what is, aren't there, there are there various Drakensangs? Is there just one? There, okay, yeah, there was a first one that came out, I guess, I want to say about three or four years ago. Uh, it's okay. It's not great. You really have to kind of be a fan of all of its little fiddly German role-playing game systems. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a fan of that, I, I, it's hard to recommend. And then they also put out uh, like a DLC add-on to, to this fairly recently that I didn't touch because it just got absolutely killed. The, the reception, critical reception, and just from fans just said, avoid this. But... The game they put out in the middle, River of Time, is actually kind of hits the sweet spot. It's actually a, a fun game. It's a good game. It's a beautiful-looking game. 
So a. is it technically a Draken saying two, or it's just Draken saying colon a river of time? It's Draken saying river of time, and I guess it's a prequel for the the first game that came out. Okay, okay. But uh, you know, it's got what I like about it is that it lets you be as fiddly with like things like character creation as you want to be. If you don't want to get too involved with it, you'll still get. Uh, you know, all the rewards from character advancement in it and without having to get, you know, really roll up your sleeves and dive into just an unbelievably complicated character progression Mm -hmm. system that it has. Uh, The other thing I like about it, and the reason that it reminds me of Darklands, besides the fact that this is created by a German developer and Darklands is set in Germany, is it, it, it just feels... It feels like a, a an actually fairly authentic late medieval early Renaissance setting. Um, you don't have guards walking around with these gigantic shoulder armor things coming out. Uh, you know, it just kind of feels it feels very it feels like you're in like an alternate version of Europe. No, okay. So I have a couple questions. So is this sure. uh, is this a a, like a top-down view, or when you mention Darklands, I'm thinking, okay, so it has no graphics, or like, is this a top-down no, view? Is it first-person? It, it has beautiful graphics. Uh, it's mostly over the shoulder. It's slightly zoomed. At, it's kind of like if you really zoomed in a game like Titan Quest, really tight. Mm. It's almost like an over-the-shoulder, but you can zoom it out a little bit more. Uh, I almost play it. At, maybe a little bit pulled out more than I played the first Dragon Age. So it's a 3D engine, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful 3D engine, actually. And is it party-based, or you're just one dude? You have, you pick up, uh, you end up with a party of, uh, you have a group of four. You have three other uh, characters that you pick up as you go. And uh, it is party-based. The combat is pausable, turn-based, with an almost tactical feel, but even if you don't pause it, it moves slowly enough, I guess, that you can get in there and you know use the special abilities of your characters in combat. Actually, a lot of times without having to pause. So kind uh, of like kind of like Dragon Age, or is that minimal? A little bit, a little bit, but it 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 moves a lot less hectic in combat than Dragon Age. Like, Dragon Age, if you really want to set it up, you're hitting that space bar and you're moving people around tactically. Then you hit the space bar and you wait for that to happen. Then you hit the space bar again and you move guys around. Mm -hmm. This, maybe once or twice in a big combat that isn't against a boss, you'll you'll pause it and just make sure that uh, maybe somebody drinks a potion or... Uh, does some healing or whatever, uh, gets into position, changes the target, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And so you, you said you're, you're really liking the setting. Uh, it has that sort of ring of authenticity. Uh, uh, are there other things, like a lot of what I look for in a good RPG is a cool character-building system? Uh, there is, yeah, it, it's a very difficult uh you know, I like the character building setting the way I have it, which is basically I picked an art archetype of a character, and they have a bunch of them. So uh, I picked a warrior character uh, this time around. I'd played a thief character before, and I switched to a warrior because, spoiler, you find a thief 
fairly early in the game to the party. So, so you were you were basically rendered redundant. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, hey, no, I don't don't need another one of those. And actually, you get enough of all the characters that if there's a certain character class you want to play, you're fine. You'll you'll be able to put a party together uh-huh. without uh, you know too much trouble. But you find a thief earlier and early enough that I just thought it would be useful to be a warrior. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to play. You actually, another thing that's nice is depending on the the character archetype that you take at the beginning of the game, you actually have kind of a different, I wouldn't call it an origin story, but the first hour, hour and a half, two hours of the game actually plays out differently, which is kind of something ah. that uh, Dragon Age borrowed. Uh, you get to the first town, and depending on whether you're a fighter, a thief, you know, a rogue class or whatever, a wizard or a cleric, your uh, opening story actually is is a little bit different, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. Now, you is it is it a German game? You... It is a German German developed game. Uh, the biggest drawback to it is the voice acting. I guess ah. the publisher was about to go belly up, or the developer was about to go belly up before they localized it for English, and the English voiceovers are just. The most, some of the most cringeable voiceovers <laughs> I've heard. Uh, luckily, there are subtitles, and unfortunately, what I discovered is there is a way to play the game with the original, excellent German voiceovers and English subtitles, but you actually have to buy the German version of the game, and I'd already bought and mostly played through the English version, so I'm not going to go back and buy the German version of it and then put an English subtitle file in there. So no, just kind of it. Now, can you tell us what is the? Are you trying to kill uh, an all-powerful wizard and save the world well, from him? That's the other thing that I really kind of like about this game. Everybody likes to be, you know, the the Harry Potter. Everybody likes to be Frodo. Likes to be the center of the world, the center of the universe. And if you don't do this, the world collapses. Well, that doesn't happen in this game. In this game, you're actually. It feels like you're integrated into uh, into a world. And while the story is important, you kind of get the feeling that if you didn't do something that, that, you know, if you didn't get involved in the story and the status quo were allowed to happen, that the world wouldn't come to an end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like instead of being the center of the universe, you're more part of the world, which mm-hmm. is kind of refreshing and really, really enjoyable, actually. Now, Chris, I hate to put you on the spot here, but I'm wondering, when I hear you talk about this, I'm wondering, have you played The Witcher 2? I have played The Witcher 2. How does it, uh, because that's one of the things I loved about Witcher 2, if someone has not played either Drakensang or River of Time or The Witcher 2, is that going to be a tough choice for them, or would you you specifically recommend one or the other? Well, if I hadn't played Witcher 2, and if it hadn't, I'm sure it's been a game of the week here. You know, I, I oh yeah, absolutely. That that no, The Witcher 2 is one of the most uh, enjoyable video games that I've played this year. But okay. uh, what I will say about Drake and Sang, uh, you were asking about what kind of a 3D view it is. Imagine if you pulled back just a hair more on the uh, isometric view of The Witcher, and that's what you get with River of Time. So you're not necessarily recommending this as like the best RPG ever. It's not like necessarily something people should play instead of The Witcher 2. Just a very good one that you've sort of stumbled upon uh, and you appreciate if, these things about it. it. If you are an RPG fan, you should definitely play it. 
Um, one of the things that I love about it is, and I think somebody mentioned this in our forums, but it seems like so much of the action in the game takes place either in right at dawn or right at dusk. And so almost yeah. uh, uh, just way too much of the time that you're playing the game, it feels like you're playing during the magic hour with that uh, great, almost like purplish-pink outdoor lighting coming in. And it you know, it just really kind of adds to the setting and the feel of the game. I think it was a conscious choice that they made, and uh, it really works. Who's the developer? Do you know offhand? Gosh, uh, Radon Labs, I believe, is which is a really bad name for a game developer. Oh, yeah, it sounds yeah. like so, like something, some sort of an alarm system for your house to keep your kids safe. Or I something. was thinking that, or they make video cards. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Card yeah, I've um, heard of those guys. Where can someone get a copy of, of Drakken saying A River of Time? Well, it is usually, uh, it should be available on Steam, and it. Uh, I'm about, gosh, I guess I'm about 12 hours in, and I've seen people have put, you know, 30 and 50 hours in, and it is a game that sells for $20 or under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, what does Drakken saying mean? I believe that translates as Dragon Blood. No, sorry, it means, it means drunken song. Really? Okay. No, I made that up. <laughs> okay. That would be a terrible name for an RPG series. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, you know what, though, I, drunken song. I think you're right, though. That does sound like it would be Dragon's Blood. I, I, you know what? I'm going with your answer. I like that. Good. All right. I, I just made that up. Have you yet found the eponymous River of Time in your playthrough? Well, the whole game is kind of centered around, they just call it the Great River. And the, the whole plot of, the main plot of the game involves uh, river pirates. And, uh. <laughs> now I can't help but think that that's kind of like, uh, that's kind of like fifth rate pirates. If you haven't graduated yet, <laughs> right. if, if, if you haven't graduated yet to the open seas, it's like pirates with training wheels. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cr- it, it's Cr- river parts. pirates. Go go kill the go kill the barn dragon guarding guarding his 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 hay hoard and yeah exactly I mean if you're a river pirate and you make someone walk the plank they're just gonna swim to the bank and get away <laughs> right. what, what is that? they're just gonna wade over the right, exactly it's like okay wait, wait, shake their fist at you you got me wet <laughs> that's awful Quickmaster, um. have you played uh, Dragon's Blood or Drakensang? No, I have not. I haven't either. So, Chris, that's a that's a great find. Uh, I don't think McMaster and I would have known about that one. It's gotten, uh, like I said, I think the River of Time is probably the only part of the Drake and Sang series worth playing. But uh, it's gotten fairly good reviews, and if you're a role player, uh, I, I definitely look into it. Good to know, and and seasonally appropriate, you say? Absolutely. Good. All right, McMaster. What are we going to do next? Are we going to do let's let's rock it through our posts of the week real quick. So Jason Lee McMaster, what have you chosen for your forum post of the week? My forum post of the week goes to I believe it was Brian Rubin. Ah, you you stole mine. No, I don't buy games to finish them. I buy games to collect them. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the one. No, that's totally me. Uh, yep. he, he he basically in his post says that he buys games and he buy he has now more games than he ever probably has lifetime to finish, but um, he just can't 
like help himself, and that's what he does, and that's how I am. It's my hobby, though. I, I buy like every collector's edition, or not every, but I buy a lot of collector's editions. And- so, Chris, this was also your pick for post of the week. Well, it, it was my secondary. I had a backup. I had a. I, I, I have. I. This was going to be my backup post of the week, just in case. Right. Okay. Well, hold that. Hold that main post. Then we'll get to that. So, I want to ask you guys then. Where do you keep your games? Jason McMaster. Jason Lee McMaster, where are all your video games? Well, since I've been moving and stuff, my still packed up in here and there. But I usually have, well, at the house, I had them, a lot of them in my living room, some of them in my office, and some of them packed up. In fact, I, depressingly enough, I ended up getting rid of, like, a lot of my old game boxes, which sucked. But I just, I, it, you have to eventually, or it gets a little ridiculous. Uh I what? felt bad because I threw away some really crazy game boxes. Damn. What determines whether a game is in the living room or in the office? <laughs> um, how much I like it, usually. <laughs> or, or how new it is, really. I mean, if it's like, uh, even if I like a game after a time, I like to, uh, I don't know, trade out. Let them, uh, wow. yeah, let them have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of glory time. So it is. There's definitely like a hierarchical system. Like some games are good enough to get out in the living room. Everybody else has to stay in the office. That's right. Yes. Wow. Yeah, you have to want it to get in the uh, living room. <laughs> uh, Jason Lee McMaster. At, at this point in time, where do you keep your copy of Rage? Um, my copy of Rage is sitting in front of my television. Oh, so it hasn't been busted down to the office yet. How long do you think it'll be before you move Rage back into the office? I have yet to finish it, so probably, a, well, you know, for just singular game cases, I have, like, this thing under my TV I usually just kind of slide them into, so that one will probably stay there. Usually it's, like, the bigger collectibles that move around. Um, like, right now, the only stuff I have in the living room is uh, Marcus Phoenix statue, Batman statue, um, 360, uh, Gears of War 3, 360. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know how this will make you guys feel, but I recently, uh, you know, I, I got a copy of the Gears of War 3. Uh, I don't know if it was the collectors or the limited. At any rate, it came with uh, a bunch of little doodads, like a letter that Marcus Phoenix. I got written. that, yeah. Yeah, and of like a picture of his dad, and uh, it had a metal, uh, metal, like a. Uh, uh, a, a citation, an award that on a cog, I, yeah, and gone yeah. metal. Yeah, yeah, it's like in a case, and it's a cog medal. Yeah, it's like, hey, you won this for being badass or whatever. Uh, I recently threw that stuff out. Did, wow. Oh my god, really? Yep, you just right in the trash. Yeah, I was just no, it didn't hurt at all. I was just sitting around. I'm like, well, you know, I, I keep the game out. You know, the game's in its own box, but all that other stuff, I was like, I don't care about that. I I chucked it. Didn't think twice about it. What do you, what do you think, think of that, McMaster? I think I just threw up a little. Um, <laughs> wow. No, uh, the funny so thing about that, your did, differently than I do. Did you get the code off of the cog? <laughs> you know what? Yes, I did. Before I, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. Before I threw it away, I looked at it, and then I noticed on the back, in the actual metal, because yep. it's, it's, a, it's a metal. Now I, I don't know that I'm clarifying this. I don't know that I'm enunciating well enough, but it's a metal medal. Like, it's it's made out of metal, and it is a medal that you win. And in the back, there was etched a bunch of numbers, and looking at them, I was like, wow, that's five groups of five digits. I bet you could plug that into xboxlive.com. I'm going to try this. And sure enough, they engrave in each of these metal medals a separate code. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's the same code. It didn't even occur to me, McMaster. So does do you 
get a unique code to unlock your dippy little Adam Phoenix skin. Yeah, yeah, you do. So all those gunmetal things were engraved. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, I didn't wow. even see it the first time, I, or first and second time I looked at it because it was, like, really lightly engraved on the one that I had. And um, it's just, God, it, it drove me nuts because I kept looking for that code and couldn't find it. But uh, <laughs> You actually wanted your Adam. I don't know why you would want that skin because you're obviously so attached to your, your classic Coltrane skin that you got from the beta. Well, duh. But it's because uh, I don't want anyone else to have it ever. <laughs> if I never use it, I want to make sure no one else does. That's nice. That's your code. No one's getting their hands on it for you. Uh, Chris, where do you keep your video games? Well, I actually got sick of toting around video game boxes years ago and stopped. Collect- made a conscious decision that I was going to stop collecting video game boxes other than the DVD boxes for console games. Uh, but then what I ended up doing last year was buying a 2 gig, uh, I'm sorry, 2 terabyte internal uh, hard drive. And on that, I ended up collecting just, I went nuts during the Steam holiday sales, Steam summer oh, sales. Yeah. And so my video game collection is all sitting on a two terabyte hard drive for the most part. And I've got one folder on there for my good old games installs. Nice. And then the rest of it is basically just the whole, the whole entire hard drive is all devoted to Steam games. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Now you know you don't need to have those downloaded, right? I understand. <laughs> and so I guess that's my equivalent of whether it's in the living room or in the closet. Ah, it's, is it uh, on the hard drive or is it, it on the? Steam is it downloaded and installed, or is is it bright white on the Steam screen, or is it gray? <laughs> now uh, two terabytes, though. I imagine that's there's a lot of uh, room there for stuff. There you don't need many of them to be gray, do you? I don't. Uh, just, just I think the last one you uninstalled, the last one that you you banished back to the Steam server and took off your hard drive. You know what? I don't think I've actually banished one. It's just a matter okay. of oh, just getting around to installing. I, you know what? I know what it was. It was Darksiders. Oh, that's mean. I well, like Darksiders. I, I like Darksiders, <laughs> uh, and I think I had it installed. And for whatever reason, I think I had to do a reformatting or something like that of that hard drive right after I started doing it. So it was on there, and I took it off, and that's the only one that I haven't gotten around to putting back on. I will say one of the things I do love about what Steam is starting to do, and I'm a little uneasy about which games do this and which don't, is like if I had Darksiders and I had played through it a while and I decided I need the hard drive space back, I would be really worried about deleting it and losing my save. Oh, yeah. uh, cloud save. Exactly. Oh, cloud. I, I yeah. love when I see that little cloud save thing going in Steam. Uh, I love right. that they do that. I don't know. I don't. All games on Steam don't do that, do they? Like, it has to specifically be, be right. built. Right, it has to say it. that. Okay. So a I would be unforeseen. of them do, though. A large portion of them That's good do. to know. Good to know. By uh, the way, my favorite post in, uh, in uh, Jason... Jason Lee McMaster's post of the week or thread of the week mm-hmm. is from Klifsky, and it's on page two. And Klifsky just says, I've been playing games for 30 years. I've finished three of them. Life's too short to be OCD about finishing video games. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so it sounds like Klifsky finishes one every 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, Chris, what then is your post of the week? If that was your backup, what is your main choice? 
my main choice is going to be a thread started by Matthew F. I don't know. We have so many Matthews and There's Matt's. There's like a zillion Matt's. Yeah. yeah, wow. Uh, but anyway, his thread is called Games That Are Universally, <laughs> universally Regarded as Classics That You Never Played. Mm. And what uh, what are you, what do you two have to confess to me right now? <laughs> um, geez, let me think. Uh, uh, you know, I own it, and I've played maybe 15 minutes of it, and I think we've talked about this before, but uh, Planescape Tournament. But at least you've played 15 minutes, so I don't think it qualifies yeah. as never played. Right, right. Chris, what do you have to confess? Well, first of all, I have to make a confession that there's an entire genre of games that I just can't play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I, thanks to uh, playing soccer in uh, high school and college, I had multiple concussions. But now when I try to play a lot of first-person shooters, I just get so motion sick that I have to go lie on the floor. Now, wait, and so, you think that that is from getting concussions from playing It's got to have something to do with it. Yeah, it's got to have something to do with the way my eyes react to light and things like that. You know, Chris, I could. I think if I had that excuse, I could use it for almost any situation. Sure, I, sure. My buddy is moving this weekend, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I had multiple concussions from soccer when I was in college. Right, right. That's that's why you gave uh, Deus Ex a bad review. It was your multiple, multiple concussions from soccer. <laughs> exactly, right, right. Yeah. It's an all-purpose excuse. But anyway, so I tend to avoid, like, there's a whole genre of classic games that I've never played, like uh, Half-Life and Half-Life 2 and ah. uh, Counter-Strike. Holy Jesus. As soon as I read from somebody that uh, this game made me motion sick, I'm like, okay, I'm going to avoid that. And just as an example, just playing a game like uh, the Fallouts, the new Fallouts, or like yeah. any Bethesda game, after about two or three hours, I'm all good. i got to go uh, sit down uh, and chill for about a uh, half hour to an hour. So, you know, Chris, in one my first reaction is to think, oh, that's terrible, and to feel sorry for you. But then when I think about it, I'm a little jealous because that's that much more time that you have to spend with other games. Like, you are medically incapable. <laughs> of play- it's, like you have, it's like you have a doctor's note to not play a certain genre. I, for instance, I'm not into sports at all. So I don't play any sports games. And by golly, I am so happy about that because that frees me up from having to deal with that genre, and then I can therefore play other kinds of games. I'm so <laughs> glad I don't know anything about it, and I don't like sports. So you actually right. have that as like a medically verifiable reason not to play certain first-person shooters. I used to have it, and I used to have strategy games and freaking MOBAs and everything. <laughs> well, that's right. it's, go ahead, Jason Lee McMaster. Mention the game that you wanted to, to mention that got you out of that. Go ahead. I already mentioned it. <laughs> you so, fulfilled your contractual obligation for this podcast. Right, right. I mean, I don't get a bonus for doing it twice. <laughs> I'm only trying to get it in there once. Uh, so, Chris, can you? Is there any common denominator against which ones give you motion sickness? Because I've heard some people I, say like, "Oh, it's the Source Engine" or "It's Head Bob." Uh, can you tell what all those things? And I've tried it. Uh, field of View, I think, is a big mm. one. Mm. Field of View is like when I try to play Borderlands. Oh my gosh. That, that's too, like too tight. 15 minutes of Borderlands and uh, um, a half hour to an hour on the couch. But, you know, anyway, bringing this thread up, the thing I thought is, what are the games that are classics that are in my wheelhouse, which are going to be strategy games, role-playing games, uh, simulations, and things like that that I never played? And I have to confess, Ultima, okay. Ultima 6, Ultima 7. Never Whoa. played. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Ultima 7 is like one of those games that just like is one of my just I can't even imagine not having played it. Yeah, I don't know. Chris, (laughs) what what are you doing faffing about in Drakensang? Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't know how well it would stand up, to be honest with you. I'm one of those guys who, if I didn't play, like if I know that there's some kind of continuing story thing going on, if I didn't play the earlier ones, so it always felt like, oh, I'll get around to Ultima 6 and 7 when I play Ultima 5. Right. Well, I only spent about an hour and a half playing Ultima 5, so then it was like, oh, well, gosh, this whole Avatar thing and virtues and all that kind of stuff, I was just... Okay, I'm just going to give this a whole miss. You know, it's, it's, it's the same reason I've never watched The Wire. <laughs> I hear that it's okay. awesome, but it's, you know Me what, I, I would have to go back to the first season, and then I would have to catch up. It's the same reason you're not playing Ultima 7, is you'd have to go back to Ultima 5, and uh, yeah. So If you want to hear, like, my favorite, uh, one of my, my closest friends, this guy Chris Vogel, he's a... Uh, we we both have OCD. His is just a little different. Uh, his is a uh, he can't he can't play a game out of sequence like you're saying, but right. he really can't. It just like it drives him nuts. Like he is he's playing games like okay, he's playing PlayStation games, you know, like right now <laughs> he's playing like like it, it, he, Silent he, Hill he, one. Oh yeah, he'll get well. Those are one of his favorite games, so he's played all of those. But okay. like uh, the. Uh, like, one of the things he'll do is he'll be like, yeah, man, I, I loaded up a game last night, and it, it was uh, 11 months since my last save game and stuff like that. He's just like, <laughs> he goes through this giant cycle of games and plays a little bit every night of, like, one of them. And I think he's playing, like, three or 400 games probably. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, for this particular uh, thread, I'm not sure what I would have to, contri- to contribute because I – I don't really think I've missed anything. I mean, that's that's pretty presumptuous to say, but I can't... Like, I tend to think if there's something that I missed, I go back and play it, and uh, I don't don't know that I would have anything to contribute to this thread. Oh, oh, I got one. Uh, Total Annihilation. Don't people consider that? But I've played that. Oh, for you, you mean? I I haven't. Yeah, I never played Total Annihilation. But you... you, Supremacy 1 and 2. Never played Supremacy 1 or 2, so... What is Supremacy? What is that? Those... Games? Uh, I thought you thought you liked these games. No, but what is that? I mean, what supremacy? Uh, you know what, McMaster? When you say supremacy, I'm thinking of uh, an old board game. It's like Risk, where you research nukes and ion stars. And that's that one game. What's the computer yeah. game supremacy? <laughs> Am I thinking of something wrong? What is the name? I, you know what? I'm probably just uh, I'm having a, a brain lapse where I'm not remembering the title. Like I'm not associating the title with the game. Now, now Tom, my other big strategy game fail is one of your favorites, and uh, don't say sacrifice, or I will boot you off of this podcast. Nope. Okay. Another <laughs> sacrifice. Wait, wait, hold that thought though, Chris, because I really want to know what is supremacy. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. No, I, I am. Uh, you're going to punch me in the head or something. Uh, Supreme Commander. Supremacy oh, yes, yes, is a yes, board yes. game and a PC okay. game. <laughs> no, I seriously, McMaster, was hoping that you would unearth some awesome RTS that I had never <laughs> thought. Yes, yeah, though. It's the one of my dreams. <laughs> All right. So, so Chris, what is your – you were going to – you you had a confession. Uh, you can loved, tell me. I have poured hours and hours – 
tens, dozens, maybe a hundred hours into uh, Rise of Nations, mm-hmm. and I've never. I know what you're going to say, and I hate you already. Rise of wow. Legends. I, really? I'm, That's a. I've played that one. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. I've got. I got nothing. And you know what? I may actually, if it's on Steam, or uh, you know, if I can, if I can grab it, I may grab it sometime uh, this week. I don't but, think it is, Chris. I think it's one of those things that, like, Microsoft is just like, eh, we're not. Hey, we don't care. <laughs> like, I think it's it's been effectively buried. If it's on Steam, that would be awesome. But. I've got my discs here, and every now and then I'll reinstall it on one of the computers and download the patch and whatnot. No, I occasionally see it at Best Buy, of all places. Okay. Uh, so, who knows? That, that may, it's always been a game. That's a game that I actually want to play, and just for whatever reason, I've never got around to it. Here's, you know what, man? Rise of Nations. Oh, Rise sorry, of Nations is good, but that one of, uh, two things about uh, Rise of Legends, it has three of the, I know that most unique is not uh, grammatically correct, but I'm going to use it anyway. It has three of the most unique factions <laughs> you ever find in a real-time strategy game. And these days, that's a real rare thing to find. Uh, like, cool. you cannot look at Rise of Legends and think, okay, these are the Zergs, and these are the Protoss, and these are the Terrans. Right. Uh, just absolutely unbelievably imaginative and all based on unique gameplay mechanics as well. Not just, hey, here's a cool looking unit. It's a tank. Uh, but it's got three barrels on the gun. You know, they, all their cool stuff has gameplay implications. So there's that. Also, I would say, I think I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go on record as saying the best real time strategy game interface ever made is in Rise of Legends. Wow. So there you okay. go. Tom okay. Chick tested. Tom Chick approved. <laughs> That's Absolutely. right. They can put that on the box when they reissue it. <laughs> I'm going to make I'm going to make a symbol for people to put on the box for your for your approval. I'm going to do that. Later. Make it make it like a little chick a little chicken icon if you would. Oh, oh I'll find something. I'm sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, I used to do a column for Daily Radar, and I remember I think this is copyright infringement. They used the I don't think I did this. I don't think I had any part in this they came up with this they used the chick-fil-a logo uh which i i'm sure that was like a trademarked or copyrighted thing yeah. uh yeah that's probably yeah, yeah that's, that, that's probably a no-no all right well uh, uh chick-fil-a what delicious chicken though yeah, if you're listening from chick-fil-a go sue uh daily radar oh you can't they're gone uh all right <laughs> let's go to news of the week jason uh, lee that- mcmaster what is your pick for the news story of the week Oh, I think probably the most exciting news this week, hands down, is that the Assassin's Creed movie is about, you know, they're in final negotiations. <laughs> okay, McMaster, let's see. How final is this? Why don't you give us some specifics so I can shoot them down? <laughs> All right. All right. You you want to shoot these down, huh? I okay. do, yes. Yes. Because I, I just want to say, McMaster, and not just you specifically, this is uh, video gamers and the Internet at large loves to talk about how, hey, there's going to be a movie of this game. And I'm here to right now tell you why it's never going to happen. So go ahead, tell me what's going on with an Assassin's Creed movie. Let me uh, let me quote Mike Rose from Gamma Sutra. No, oh, uh, don't please don't do that. Let's go to original source material. But you know what? Go ahead. What does Mike Rose think is proof that, that there's going to be an Assassin's no, Creed? No, no. I'm just going to quote a line that we'll say. That, okay. That here's, uh, film news publication Variety is purporting that Sony Pictures is in final negotiations with Ubisoft's movie branch to land the film rights to Assassin's Creed. So, okay. Variety, hey. 
Okay, that's variety, not, yes, no. Let's look over what, what final you, negotiations mean. Final negotiations, uh, not only that, but final negotiations for what, McMaster? What is being negotiated here? Rights. Exactly. I know. I know. Rights until you see, even when something goes in pre-production, that can mean so many different things. Who uh, hurt Tom Chick? <laughs> no, it's not who hurt Tom Chick. Who hurt you? No. Where's the more trenchant question, Jason Lee McMaster? Where does Tom Chick live? <laughs> you know, as, as it, on the doll where they touched you to make you like this. The thing is, as a guy who lives in Los Angeles, I am fascinated by the art of getting movies made. As a guy who watches a lot of movies and lives where it gets done a lot, I, I love the just the silly business of it. And what happens is, what what's going on with this Assassin's Creed idea is that Ubisoft has decided. You know what? Disney got all the money, and there wasn't that much of it, from Prince of Persia. Let's form our own division to deal with movie rights. And so they've, there's now an Ubisoft like movie rights division, yeah. and they've got a name for it. Yeah. And so that now is just an office of Ubisoft that exists solely to, to make the most money they can from their properties. And their first project is an Assassin's Creed movie. Which I don't think is ever going to get made. It's uh, for a couple of reasons. That's a real problematic property. Um, but yeah. what's being announced here is that they are going to finally make some money by selling the rights to Sony. Uh, that's all. That's the only thing. Uh, that yeah. Sony. So that if we go down the line and in ten years from now or whatever, maybe even five years, three years from now, if Assassin's Creed is suddenly hugely even more popular than Halo, for instance, and somebody is thinking, yeah, let's throw some money at an Assassin's Creed movie, that is going to be, you know, Sony and Ubisoft Whoa, right. from that. But in its current form, like right now, there's no way you're going to see an Assassin's Creed project getting off the ground in, I would I would predict, the next few years. Well, what do you think would be a, a problem with adapting an Assassin's Creed? Uh, because I think the central core of Assassin's Creed, this idea is that a character, it's a really weird conceit that works for a video game, this idea that a modern-day character visits his ancestors through a machine that unlocks his genetic code. Um, and so then he kills people. And, and it, well, it, the thing is, he, they can finesse it where he kills the, the bad people, like the evil Templars right. who are plotting. So the thing is, you uh, it, it's really a period piece um, disguised as like sci-fi, and I think that's a confused blend. Like if you want to see, there's a, movie, there's, a, there's a British director named Neil Marshall who recently did a horrible movie called Doomsday, which – which which conflated fantasy and sci-fi, and I, I think that that is uh, kind of a no-no when you're making a movie. When you make a movie, you want to appeal to a specific genre, and Assassin's Creed has the problem of it's part sci-fi, it's part fantasy. Is it Assassin's Creed if it's just about a Templar running around in, in, in the, the Middle Ages? Uh, and, and so I think the property that they're also selling is this whole idea that Desmond goes to all these different kinds of places. And that, by the way, huge budget. I don't think anybody's going to pay for that. Like the, a game that goes to the Crusades, to Renaissance Italy, and now to Constantinople. Like I, I think that's just – no movie is going to do that. Uh, so you know, there's ways around it, but I don't think it's popular enough to uh, earn the kind of budget it needs to do what I think – 
those of us who like to, to live up to this visiting different time periods. Uh, so you know what? Maybe they would make it like they're making the games, where each movie is a different time period. But I will, I will say, uh, I'll bet you that the people who have this property are keeping a keen eye out for how this movie Anonymous does, which is about uh, uh, Victorian England. And, and did Shakespeare really write his plays? Like a conspiracy action thing set in, uh, in Victorian England. I'll, I'll bet they're watching. You know, let's see how much movie that makes. Hey, I think it, I mean I really think it could work, but at the same time, I see what you're saying. I'd also have some problems with. Well, of course, the ending of Assassin's Creed Two is not exactly the most popular. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly the most yeah, popular. That, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, tough. To <laughs> Might have to finesse finesse. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> that's like my favorite game ending. Um, just for that reason. But um, now I've always heard that. Uh, when you're talking about a movie in pre-production or movie rights that it's not you don't know that it's going to be made until you actually hear a name attached to it like a director a right screenwriter sure. and even, an even actor. then chris even then chris it can fall through gore verbinski was attached to a a bioshock project for a long time okay. uh neil blomkamp i think was on a halo project for a long time and those both fell through those are both very well-known directors and they're they, they bring a lot of cachet with them and even then that you know did, uh, uh david well, o russell Peter jackson and halo for god oh, exactly exactly uh david o uh, david o Russell, who met great mainstream success with the fighter, was attached to Uncharted for a while, and I think he's off. So, so even once you get a name attached, that still doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, I would say wait until it starts shooting. Yeah, I'll tell you the thing that pissed me off was they were making a Dark Tower thing, like a series of movies and television shows, and it had Ron Howard signed on. And uh, they ended up cutting that, you know. Because wait, you you don't like that because you hate Arrested Development? No, I because I <laughs> absolutely love the Dark Tower, and I'm kind of pissed that it got it just kind of got canceled. Oh, I see. You weren't you weren't making fun of the fact that like Ron Howard was involved. You were uh... no, no. I love uh, Ron Howard's very powerful. Right, exactly. Powerful. So like, it's, he's a huge name, and he's good at what he does. So. Opie Opie brings in producer money. It's crazy. Yes. It's really crazy how uh, old Oak can, you know. Uh, let, let me also uh, just burst a few more bubbles and tell you another movie you will probably never see. Uh, oh, God. A, a Mass Effect movie. Oh, who cares? Sure. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, like, of all the stuff that Ubisoft is selling, because they're also, you know, selling a couple other franchises, Assassin's Creed is not their most lucrative movie deal, I would think. I mean, I would say Splinter Cell. You could take a lot of those Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell, though, as a property is kind of – I mean it, it is – the fact that they actually got Prince of Persia going means a lot. And by the way, I think Prince of Persia has a lot of overlap with Assassin's Creed. I think people who control the purse strings would, would put them in the same category. Another thing, this John Carter of Mars thing, like – well, that's Mars. I don't know what that is. But um, Splinter Cell, I don't – is that like relevant anymore? Did you play the last one? You know what? I didn't. There's a classic maybe that I haven't played. Uh, but did it do well? Like, is Splinter Cell still a, a big property for Ubisoft? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, the one thing I see, I always disliked Splinter Cell, the earlier games, uh, because I'm not a stealth guy. That's, I guess, part of my uh, ADD kind of mentality or whatever I have going on is like, I hate sneaking. Unless I'm the Batman. But I hate sneaking because, like, uh, just it's not me. So, like, I'm like, Splinter Cell, I just want to shoot a dude in the face. And you just don't do that in Splinter <laughs> Cell. Um, now, the, the most recent one, 
they kind of redesigned the way it looks and controls and everything. So right. I, think, I think it's kind of a much better game. But um, I could see like a lot of their stories are just like I don't know. They seem well, I mean it's that Tom Clancy crap. Right. But, like it's they seem like they're really well geared. But you know the relevance is a little weird. I mean they would certainly have to sell Tom Clancy's name. God knows he sold it to them. So. One of the problems I think I see with the Splinter Cell series, is, and and you talking about the most recent game, McMaster actually reinforces this point. Is I think it's struggling to find its identity. Yeah. Is is it an action game? Is it a sneaky game? Uh, and I think uh, before it can really sort of reach that critical mass, that yeah it. You know, like a game like Halo has a, and even Gears of War, clear sense of identity. You know, those guys know what they're doing. When a series has to kind of retool the gameplay, uh, I, I think in the case of Splinter Cell, that's a little bit of a warning sign. Uh, oh, sure. It was for the better, there's no doubt, right. uh, actually, because, uh, you know, that, it was almost like a, a quick time event game is what it always felt like to me, because you just really had to memorize exactly what to do. Right. Uh, to get through a level, which, you know, is like and at the same time unlike something like, you know, Dark Souls, except you're not – you're relying more on actual skill memorization than just hitting buttons at the right time. But, uh, yeah, no, I think Splinter Cell – those the, like even the story from the last one would be almost – it's like perfect like bite-sized movie. Guy's daughter gets, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jason Lee McMaster in a Splinter Cell movie. Who would play Sam Fisher? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. Let me think. That would have to be, uh, well, I don't know. Somebody <laughs> grizzled and middle-aged. You know what, McMaster? Liam Neeson. No, no, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> Terrible. God, that's like all he does now. Just the plot reminded me of whatever that movie was. The Taken. Was, no, right. yeah. Taken. That's but wait, it, yeah. you, wait, what you guys failed to notice here is we already have someone playing Sam Fisher. It's Michael Ironsides or no one. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It is. That is who he's based on. That's what, yeah. Let's see who does the voice work. Yeah. Yeah, he totally is. Did they actually did they use him in the last game or did they like throw him over for some other dude? I'm pretty sure they used him in the last game. They, they better. They're going to have to answer to me. Um, you know, another thing you'd notice is Sony Pictures also bought the rights to Infamous and uh, like it's working on an Uncharted movie as well. Yeah. Uh, has, has how long do you think it'll be before we see an Infamous movie? I <laughs> uh, think about never. Um, like as much as I like Infamous, yeah, I don't see that one working. Uncharted, I can see working. Uh, McMaster, I'm sorry I shot down your news story of the week. I feel bad now. Oh, I know. Yeah, whatever. You can shoot down mine. Let me give you mine, and you can shoot it down, and then we'll go over to Chris. My news story of the week, sure. uh, company called Introversion decided, you know what? This new game, we're making Subversion. There's not much of a game there, so never mind. We're not going to make it. <laughs> They're putting I it on hiatus. That. And yeah. I, I love that they did that because for a little indie company like them, that can't have been easy, and it makes me think – Boy, I have you seen their new game? Have you seen what they're doing in place of it? No, I haven't. What is it? The thing that they it's submitted ga- to the it, independent game. It fest. just announced today on uh, Rock Paper Shotgun. It's a game called Prison Architect, and I'm not making that up. Now we uh, already have. There's already. Uh, I think there are five or six of these. There are already Prison Tycoon games, and that's. I'm not making that up either. So they're going head to head to compete with Prison Tycoon. This looks more like uh, build it to keep people from escaping or something like that. I'm not sure. I mean, that's the point of a prison. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. But I think it's like maybe. 
you know, I'm just looking at this one screenshot on uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, and it's kind of hard to tell what what the actual game is here. But it's a game called Prison Architect from Introversion. Well, you know what that what that says to me is that one of the th- important things about running a games company is don't put all your eggs in one basket. And Introversion yeah, yeah. clearly seems to appreciate that. You know, the fact that they were able to look at Subversion, which was a heist sort of strategy game, and say, you know what, this isn't working. You know, let's not do it. They probably couldn't have done that if they didn't have this this prison tycoon competitor in, in development. Um, so uh, good for them. And I, I, you know, when I think of other games that I've had to play, where I think, you know, they probably should have killed this. Uh, I think we've all <laughs> played those games. We've all played those right. games where probably the, the developer realized partway through there's not much of a game here, but we need to push ahead. Uh, and then we all end up having to play those things. So the I'm going to Republic I'm, springs to mind. Which one? Oh, the Republic, that uh, like uh, civil disobedience yeah. political simulator thing. Yeah. You know what? I, that, like, was that terrible? Like, Should that have been killed? Well, it seemed like here's a great idea, and we don't have any actual gameplay to go right. along with our great idea. So it, that was like 100% concept and about 40% execution, it felt yeah. like. I'm going to float one that I had to play recently, uh, a little game called Rage. <laughs> God. Oh, you're totally, you're totally trying to, you're totally dissing my, uh, my Dead Rising 2 off the record, too. What's up with that? Oh, no, but I'm, I'm loving that. But again, I just, freaking Capcom, man. I love No, I, I know. They're like super greedy. <laughs> They're super greedy, but by, by God, they make good stuff. So I, I don't know what to do with them. I don't even oh. want to, I'm just disgusted with them. I'm, I'm breaking up with Capcom. It's over. Like, like, I really like Off the Record because it's kind of like, it's so gonzo. It's so ridiculous to take your, like, retcon your, your other game. Oh, McMaster Gonzo is the perfect word. That's well. That's I'm gonna yeah. that. Uh, all right, McMaster. What's a game you've had to play that should have been killed during development? Duke Nukem. It was, in fact. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, wait, yeah. <laughs> Many times. Well, all right. So uh, that leaves you, Chris. What do you have for us for your news story of the week? I have a single news story, but. Kind of what fascinates me about this news story is the way the single news story got covered by two fairly major news outlets. Um, the, the actual story itself is that a research firm called EDAR, E-E-D-A-R, Electronic oh. Entertainment Design and Research, uh, yes. just uh, released a study saying that 51% of the people who own high-definition game consoles, which I assume means PS3 and Xbox 360, have yep. bought DLC in the last 12 months. Now, if you read that story on USA Today... On their Game Hunters section, the headline that's under is more than half of HD console owners buy downloadable video game content. And the story notes immediately that that 51% is up from 40% last year and 34% in 2009. And that DLCs generate $875 million in revenue in North America, in North America this year uh-huh. and could go up to a billion in 2012. Now, if you read that story in Wired, the headline is, Why 49% of Gamers Won't Buy Downloadable Content. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And then it goes on to tell you the other side, kind of the flip side. Their lead is the last paragraph of the USA Today story, and their lead is why... 
the 49% of people who haven't bought it, what their reasoning is for not buying it. And the overwhelming reason is uh, privacy issues about having uh, their Xbox Live uh, or PS, PSN, you know, the PSN network problems uh, with privacy. So, Are there any stats just, for of the respondents, how many of them? Like that said, that's the, the main reason. But what percentage of them cited the privacy concerns? Do we know? We do know. I'm glad you asked me that, Tom. And now I'm looking for it because it's in it's in this article. Uh, I want to guess. Hold on. I want to guess that sure, it's no higher. I want to guess it's no higher than a third of them. Maybe. Is it that high? Let's see. Um, it is of the people. Well, they actually they didn't break it down by percent. They said, okay, of you, 49 percent. Of that group, then 47% of that 49% said privacy. Okay. And so that's, about the, half. that's the group of people that had not bought any DLC. Right, right. Now, 47% did they, of that group. Were they citing only one reason, or were they checking multiple boxes? Do we know that? Um, looking at this, it looks it's multiple boxes. It's okay. multiple boxes. There you go. So uh, nice job, Wired, is making a nice lurid story out of... Uh, <laughs> Right. Fairly it's mundane sort of survey. Glass half empty and the glass half full, depending on uh, where you read the story. Or more like uh, which glass is going to get more clicks. Right. right. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that it's as high as that, 51%. That's kind of a really big deal. You mean, yeah, I agree. Surprised that it's that high in terms of people who have bought. Yeah, so this is people but... who have paid for downloadable content, not people yes. who just entered their code, the right. game, people whatever. who have actually bought downloadable content and it's actually up 11% from even last year which i think is a significant That's really number. that's really big. I mean that's McMaster you say you're surprised but i see this as a much as a much more prominent part of the business model publishers are using. Uh, so so in a way i'm not surprised. Sure. Uh, so why does that surprise oh. you McMaster? It surprises me because whenever we think of console owners, we think of, like, I won't say hit because God knows we're probably not, but we think of people like us a lot of times. But the console owners, on average, are moms and kids, you know, that aren't going to have, like, everything wired up right. You know, <laughs> like, it's, it's, they're not techies. Okay. So, the odds of them like being willing to go on and do something like that, I find interesting. Now, when you now, find though, you do look at how how deeply integrated a lot of DLC is in games, where a game will have a notice that pops up from the title screen, or oh, sure. in the case of like that horrible Crimson Alliance downloadable game, when you go to the shop to buy items with gold, you are also constantly presented with the the option to buy items with money. Or I think of EA's games. You know, when you buy a car in Need for Speed, in the most recent Need for Speed, you can either pay for it with the game you've earned in the money. It, it, the in-game money, or you can pay for it with actual real-world money. Like it seems like video, like publishers are getting more keen. They're they're getting more insidious and effective about how to integrate DLC and micropayments into the actual game, so that those soccer moms are just like, oh yeah, I'll press this button and uh and I've now bought DLC. Yeah, sure. Right. I mean, but yeah, I just think it's it's interesting because a lot of times you're not going to find those consoles like. On the internet, now, for instance. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, because I don't play 
uh, any of the Modern Warfare games, but do you think that, I mean, are, is there well, DLC yeah. to buy from those games? Oh, yeah. So is the overwhelming popularity of those games, you know, buying new map packs and things like that, is is that our 51% right there? Because I, I think there are a think lot of people who are fortune. Yeah, like a lot of people who only play Modern Warfare 2. Like, that's what they're playing. Or, or COD Blops or, yeah. Right, exactly. exactly. You know, that's like, um, you know, a large portion of your video game audience is Madden Call of Duty. Right. You know, that's right. that's like your your breakdown. Or replace Madden with NBA, NHL, something like that. Does you know? Madden have DLC? I don't I'm know. I'm sure it does. I, I'm sure it's got to. I'm sure. I'm sure it's got to be like classic teams that you can buy. And EA challenges like everything, Tom. Oh, um, it's EA, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to have DLC. Yeah, it's oh. EA. Oh, dude, yeah. t- Tiger Woods has like. <laughs> I love Tiger Woods. I'm like a golf fanatic, and I like totally want to get those things, but I I can't spend like a hundred dollars or something buying freaking. Wait, what's the what's the DLC? So they're selling you buy Tiger Woods Golf 012 or whatever. And you get like twelve courses, and okay. but there's some, some ludicrous amount that you can pay to download. Yeah, like, they have a gajillion golf courses. They really do. It's 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 enormous, you know. And they're a few bucks each. So well, yeah. all I know is when I used to play Links, I never had to download courses. Right. Well, sure there you go. <laughs> and of course, you know, like not only that, but EA has to be the big pain in the ass that makes you sign up for their own freaking service. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, so I guess the takeaway from uh, Chris's story is that it's working. Yeah, yep. no, it's saying. Call of Duty maps, God. I don't <laughs> that, Those people make so much money off of that. Those map packs are really expensive. McMaster, you know you're buying the uh, Gears of War 3 DLC on November 1st, so you're part um, of the problem. I, I bought a season pass. <laughs> You've already paid <laughs> for that. Good point. I, I went ahead. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be out buying all of it. I'll take the I'll take the savings." Uh, Chris, what's the last DLC you bought? Um, gosh, let me think. Let me think. Uh, you know what? I think it was probably Red Dead Redemption, which I'm about halfway through. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I bought. The Warhorse in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> you bought a mount. <laughs> I, I bought horse armor in uh, in freaking uh, Oblivion. Really? That's not Oblivion. true. You actually did that, Chris. <laughs> You're the only no, person I, I've ever known. <laughs> I didn't. I got it on my oh. uh, got oh. got it as part of the uh, Knights of the Nine expansion. But still, oh. it was on there, and it really is horse armor. So. <laughs> I think I have it unlocked because of that too, but I'm I'm a psycho, so uh, you know keep that but, in mind. So you bought you bought uh, just one of those little what was it like a dollar for a horse like that kind of thing like yeah, it was, it was, okay. you know what and that that's the thing that killed me is that oh well it's only a hundred and sixty space bucks or a hundred and twenty space bucks that's nothing that's a drop in the bucket. And yeah, usually, that's that's actually that's like a dollar and a quarter or something. Yeah, it's 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 and it's the fact that it's converted to space bucks, which right. isn't real money. Oh yeah, and they love the fact that they it's five dollars for four hundred points because that makes the math more difficult. So you're like, I just forget. It. <laughs> uh, Chris, have you at least bought the Undead Nightmares add-on? Uh, yes, actually, I was going to say that. That's actually what I did buy. That is the most latest thing okay. that I've was, that and I've actually. Awesome. I love that. Oh, that's so much fun. 
Rockstar does uh, when they know. I mean, they know how to do DLC. Like the Nightmares yeah. South Central for the Midnight Club Los Angeles racing game. Yeah, Tony. It's right for uh, Grand Theft Auto Four. Uh, uh, Rockstar, those guys have the right idea. I mean, like the Lost in the Damned was okay, but Ballad of Gay Tony was just really exceptional. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So uh, there we go. News stories of the week, posts of the week, and uh, games of the week, and none of us knows anything about Madden. Right. I know know about Madden, but I was just – I don't want to step on (laughs) Bill Abner's toes because he gets all upset about that. Uh, Jason Lee McMaster, did you see Madden's last movie? John Madden? Yep. No. It's called The Dead with Jessica Chastain, Sam Worthington. It's uh, not his last movie. It's not like he's dead. He's not dead. No. Well, last He's like not. most recent movie. <laughs> it's like when I say I went to the this movies, final will and testament. Yeah, when I went when I say I went to the movies last Friday, that doesn't mean it's the last Friday ever. It means the previous Friday. <laughs> yes, it right. Does. I guess it could. Yeah, you're right. It, it could sound like I am damning John, film director John Madden, to never make any more movies. And based on the debt, I would be okay with that. He's going to show up to you and go like, boom! And he's going to get you, man. That's all it's going to take. But so I'm the only one who really finds it really weird that there's a football coach and a film director with the same name. I guess everybody else is a fairly common name. John Madden? Do you know anybody? Does either of you know anybody in real life with the last name Madden? I do. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for Uh, that down. I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, there we go. Lots of uh, this might be our longest podcast ever. Oh my gosh, uh, that's not a bad thing, by the way. Okay, I don't think it's our longest ever. I, I think we had one that was pretty close to this, at least. Well, we got a lot of good stuff. I mean, you know what? It, this time of year, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't even get. By the way, I had some great hands on time with Saints Row Three that I didn't. I didn't even get to talk about that this week. That's a shame. Huh. Uh, but Always I, next week. Well, uh, we'll just wait till it comes out and everybody can share in the conversation. Uh, Saints Row 3 uh, is coming out at the same time as Skyrim. Uh, I want you guys both to vote. You can only pick up one game. Would you pick up Saints Row 3 or Skyrim? Jason Lee McMaster. Skyrim. You're a terrible man. Uh, I know. Chris, Saints Row 3 or Skyrim. You know what? I might pick up Skyrim too. Saints Row 3 or... <laughs> You're a terrible person. I know. Chris, what would you pick? Uh, Skyrim. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, seriously, if you're going to compare, how much game time <laughs> do you think you're going to get like, out of either? Well, mean, also, Saints Row 3 is such a – the formula is kind of the, the same as true with Skyrim, but I was going to say the formula with Saints Row 3 has been so well perfected. Like, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know exactly how zany and wacky and fun it's going to be. Skyrim still – there's a sense of mystery there. Like, I want to yeah. know what, what's going to be the story. Well, how how the much time do you get to play uh, Skyrim Town? So Skyrim, they I only got about an hour with Skyrim okay. at QuakeCon, but they sat us down. We had a full day <laughs> to sit down and play Saints Row 3. Uh, so I've I've played, maybe because I've played more of that, there, there's less mystery. But uh, I, I got the sense from Saints Row 3 that it's, it's a lot like Saints Row 2, but with some really cool new elements. But for the most part, that same Saints Row 2 experience. Skyrim, I just wanted to know what's out there. You know, what, what yeah, has the hidden in the world for me? Uh, what am I going nice. to find? What treasure? How am I going to build my character? Uh, so, 
So you know what? I think we're all we would all if we, I, yeah. So I'm sorry, Saints Row Three, but I think we would all pick Skyrim on the. <laughs> but, but luckily, that's one of the days I'm spending like four hundred dollars. So both you, get, yeah. Don't worry about it, guys. I got both. Of <laughs> yeah, I, I had to buy Sarah a copy of freaking Skyrim we, too. We are all hardcore enough that we will play Saints Row Three and Skyrim. So, T- oh, yes. you're in luck. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Chris, thank you for hanging out uh, thank you for with us me. today. Uh, we appreciate that you recommended uh, the new Bangles album. Uh, sure. That better be good, because by golly, if I buy Bangles, uh, I expect... Let, let me. It's their best album in 25, 28 years? <laughs> That's, say, That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying. Jason McMaster, do we know who our guest is next week? You know, um, we are not 100% confirmed, but uh, we got some hints. Can we tease it? Should we tease it? Yeah, let's tease it. We kind of know who it is. I mean, we, we do know who it is. It's just a matter of scheduling. We will have with us – now, he's got three different names, but I think he posts as Manresa. Is that right? Is it Manresa? Oh, did I did I jump the gun? <laughs> I believe you did. <laughs> Who's next week? Uh Wow. Well, who is next week? Uh, no, wait. Is ne- next week is not okay. You know what? Sorry. It'll be like like with Skyrim. It, it'll be a mystery. It, yeah, it's very much a mystery. An enigma, a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in a taco shell. Oh, I can tell you who next week is, but do I want to? You know what? Go ahead. Let's let's now that we've uh, let let's let's put a teaser out for folks. Who will be joining us next week? Jason Lee McMaster. Um, his name is... Not his real name, because he may not want to use it. Uh, okay. Um, is it Otagon? Is that how you say it? Oh, yes, yes. So he's next week. Okay, uh, yeah, Otagon. So, right. Uh, join us next week. He will be joining us. I will be here. Jason Lee McMaster will be here. Uh, Chris, we will be seeing you around on the forum. Yep. Uh, and, uh... When there are any new gastropubs opening in the Washington, D.C. area, keep in mind that Chris might have been involved. There you go. So, uh, All right. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will talk to all of you next week. All right. Yes. Such a driving beat. (laughs) What's that from? (laughs) That's from Batman, isn't it? Nope, it's from Tron. Oh, okay. Yes, it sounds like Tron music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's classic Daft Punk. (laughs) (laughs) Totally Batman. Yeah.